Riddle me this, pod fans. What's 90 minutes long arrives every Friday and is all about the Cape Crusader? Why it's blabbing about Batman, the animated series, the newest Patreon-exclusive podcast miniseries on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's right. For the rest of 2021, we'll be covering our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series, with the same heavy-duty research, clips, and trivia you've come to expect from us. And if you sign up at the $5 level today at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, you'll get to hear each episode as soon as it goes live. Remember, sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to hear all 10 episodes of blabbing about batman the animated series as well as the 100 plus other exclusive podcast episodes we produce so far so become a patron and join us through the rest of 2021 for another great mini series same bat day same bat podcast feed i heartily endorse this event or product Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, the podcast that taught a dog to drive. I'm your host, Satan's Little Helper, Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of The Simpsons, who is here with me today in the same room. Hey, it's Henry Gilbert. You go ahead and call your precious dog warden. And who do we have on the line? This is Connor Lestoka, who always forgets this is how you start this off and didn't think of anything funny to say. <laughs> and this week's episode is Bart's Dog Gets an F. Don't! Today's episode aired on March 7th, 1991, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby, uh, the LA police horribly brutalized Rodney King this week. Uh, Mario Van Peebles' classic film, New Jack City, is released in theaters, and Baby Talk, the Look Who's Talking TGIF series with George Clooney in it, debuts. Hmm. So, what a week. I mean, you know, the Rodney King thing, awful, horrible. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the but it was it was pretty huge news, like, for a lot of white America had not seen that kind of stuff on TV until it was filmed. Uh, and, yeah, we were watching Baby Talk. That's yes, what <laughs> we were watching Baby Talk. And New Jack City, classic film hmm. with uh, everybody just knows it now for the meme of uh, Wesley Snipes pointing a gun oh, and crying at you like that's that's, <laughs> that's where that's from okay yes yeah uh, and uh, but yes let's really talk about baby talk I uh, want to get into this uh, who would have really thought terrible show <laughs> who would have thought George Clooney would be the next Batman temporarily after things like uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes I think he was yes, in yep uh, the facts of life uh, he was pretty good in Roseanne he yeah. was a bad boss in Roseanne and then this yes yeah he's just one of those ones that was canceled as it was airing I've, I've literally really never heard of it oh well it, i looked it up it i do remember commercials for it but even i thought like oh this seems lame as hell but it so uh, at first because it's not called look who's talking the tv show right. uh, it's called baby talk you would think it's just a ripoff but it actually is the creators of look who's talking making a show but look who's talking to bombed hmm. so then they're like well crap we have this tv show and the movie sucked so we'll just call it baby talk and instead of danny devito talking it's da tony danza talking over a uh, baby and uh and yeah george clooney was like a love interest in it 
And the really interesting thing about it is, uh, the most interesting to me is, they do a whole first season. After the first season, they're like, you know what doesn't work here? George Clooney. Get him out. He stinks. (laughs) I I need to correct you on the Look Who's Talking trilogy, Henry. Uh, Uh, Danny DeVito voiced a dog in the third movie. It was always Bruce Willis, and then uh, Roseanne was in the second movie. Right, right. And then it was uh, Danny DeVito and somebody else, some woman. Uh, Let's say Meryl Streep. That's right. That third one, it shoved him into the place of Bruce Willis. But yes, I apologize. I mean, the Bruce Willis to Tony Danza, that is the movie to TV swap you make in 1991, for sure. Very much. Yeah, I watched the trailer for Look Who's Talking somewhat recently, because that came out when I was probably in like second or third grade. And to me, that was like an adult movie and sophisticated. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to see it. And then you look back at that and it's like, oh, no, that's just utter trash. That was yes. like designed to appeal just to, you know, uh, people who, who didn't realize that, you know, married with children was sort of like subversive type of thing. Mm-hmm. That, was the, uh, <laughs> I, that was who that was for. I was taken to these movies as a kid and all of them opened with John Travolta ejaculating to a Beach Boys song. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what I heard on the playground. And so that was why it was like an adult thing that I would never be permitted anywhere near. I did. I did not understand what sperm was or the, the sexual encounter that was causing it. Like, I just... I, I came for the talking... Uh, <laughs> I, I went to the theater with my mom to see the talking babies, because that... Uh, but they didn't trick me for number two. I only I only watched the first one, but yeah, then Baby Talk, they, they got a second season, completely changed the cast except for the baby voices, and then they decided, like, nah, this still ain't working, and then just gave it up. So that, that was the end of Baby Talk. <laughs> Uh, but but so anyway, enough of uh, yes. that, uh, that talk. Let's let's welcome back our friend from Rift Tracks, Connor Lestoka. Welcome back, Thank Connor. You. Thank you, guys. It's good to be here on on Talking Baby Talk. <laughs> oh boy, uh, will it ever come to that? Yeah, <laughs> when, when we're in our seventies, that'll be like our seventieth April Fool's episode. I think. Like, yeah. I'd rather do Baby Bob first. Oh uh, yeah, remember I, Baby Bob? <laughs> Nobody remembers Baby Bob. That ties into your namesake more too. It's yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Connor was last with us for possibly Missionary Impossible. Hmm. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that would have been yeah when we recorded. I think during the uh, during the pandemic last yep. year. I think yeah. before that. I think. I I did the uh, Loch Ness Monster mm. and 22 short films about Springfield. So yeah. It's, and this, it's good to go back to the start. This really. is the first time you're jumping back with us to uh, 1991. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and were you watching this uh, when it was new? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This was, you know, The Simpsons. I was fully in its thrall at that point in time. I mean, you know, probably it, it came out around the same time as those Look Who's Talking movies. And mm-hmm. so the, for whatever reason, that was the, you know, more adult thing that I was allowed to participate in. And so it was just fortunately, my parents didn't say, like, go ahead and watch this adult movie, you know, Look Who's <laughs> Talking, because then I would have been like, well, this is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, but I was allowed to watch The Simpsons. And so that was whether I watched this one live, I cannot remember. But uh, I would have been talking about it on the playground the next day, no matter what. And then, well, and this is a Bart ass episode made mm-hmm. for little boys. And, mm-hmm. and and, and intentionally so because it was partnered with a commercial that was for all the Bart right. boys. Oh, you know what? Also, Connor, when we welcome you back, I just want to say, me and Bob, we uh, watched together at our local theater that that live show of Hobgoblins from Rift Tracks Live. Oh, nice! It felt so wonderful to have like it's one of the many little things of like, well, this feels sort of normal again, kind of moments, <laughs> and that was seeing yeah. seeing a Rift Tracks in the theater was was that. Yeah, it, it felt good to 
to do that too. It was a little weird because the theater obviously had a, uh, the live theater we performed from had a capacity restriction and we kept it below that, you know, even more to just let people sort of spread out and feel comfortable and stuff. So uh, <laughs> it's not a great setting to be, uh, you know, telling jokes onto a stage that's uh, an auditorium that's 25% capacity. But um, hopefully that didn't come across in the in the broadcast that you guys watched. No, uh, absolutely not. A lot less people laughing <laughs> than usual. <laughs> no, 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 just, it's good that there wasn't, you know, audible, you know, crickets or anything in the audience. I, th I think they were going to try to sweeten it in the truck, like, you know, either like raise the volume or can, uh, put in some canned laughter because you've run the risk of someone in the audience having a, a, a weird laugh that gets, you know, over, over volumified. To <laughs> you everybody, mean like my laughter? You just es escort them out. <laughs> right, exactly. No, 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 uh, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it turned out well. We've got another one next week, that um, a week from today that we're recording it. Mm -hmm. And so I think uh, that should probably have a few more people in the theater and just it will feel good again to do it. I had a, uh, a that's chappy moment in the theater when you did the opening <laughs> introduction to the guys coming out on stage. Oh, nice. I said, that's Connor, because yeah, now nice. I recognize your voice from you being on the podcast so much. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, that's that's what I that's what I hope for. The show starts and that there's one person uh, uh, somewhere you know, across the country nudging someone else in the ribs to uh, let them know that someone they've never heard of is the guy that's talking at the moment. Well, I can leave now. I got what I came. I came what I got for. Uh, and uh, also, I could be completely wrong about this. I, I mentioned this to you, Connor, before, and, and and that night I mentioned it to you, Bob. I swear there was that older couple in our theater, Bob, and that I didn't know what they were there to see riff tracks. <laughs> and I swear the woman with the with the older man, uh, she like they talked like, oh, she's in Hobgoblins, like she was a stand-in hmm. in the film because like the old guy who he'd react to a joke with like oh no like that guy <laughs> I, I love that old man because yeah. he was just the most and I, usually I don't like people who are saying things over the movie but he was just like oh oh, oh my lord yes. oh no <laughs> uh, but but when a when a blonde woman walked into Club Scum in a scene in the movie he said like oh that's you and maybe he was just joking with his wife of that that woman looks like you when you were young but I choose to believe mm. they came to see this movie in theaters because in 35 years ago <laughs> they, she they met in los angeles and she was a, a stand-in in that scene yeah there aren't a lot of people in hobgoblins as a general rule that you would you know turn to someone who you regard with affection and say that looks like you like that in general <laughs> that's not a good rule um, uh, so I, I hope it was her i mean we've, we've had that happen people who you know have either bit roles or larger roles end up you know going to the theater and people see them outside and take pictures of them and it's always sort of an awkward scenario because even if you're, you know, not trying to be cruel, which of, co which of course we aren't, it's still, it's, you know, there's there's something that they did that they, you know, mm. gave their best effort to that you're being like, that looks like an alien trying to walk like a human. Uh, yes. so, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so I wouldn't encourage it and I wouldn't go if my movie was playing, but maybe in 30 years, it's just fun to see yourself on the big screen again. That's probably it. It's happy to just be remembered. I mean, when do they, they, they made a, might have never, if you're someone who is in Hobgoblins, when did you ever see it in a theater ever, mm. you know? It's true you might have been like they actually this came out like <laughs> yeah. this was available on a on a vhs and at a blockbuster ripoff like that's i never got wow. paid <laughs> <laughs> yeah well the director was in our theater so that was the uh, the experience we had as you say all these things and then you know the guy is sort of sitting there and you know uh, uh, an interesting presence i'll say that to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to the director of hobgoblins <laughs> and uh and did you have a childhood dog or uh, or a current dog that this episode reminded you of connor yeah uh well no we always had good 
good dogs. And so it was, I didn't see a lot of them in, in Santa's Little Helper. But yeah, I grew up with a dog that my parents got. I don't know if they knew I was on the way, but it's sort of like the, the testing grounds. So he was there the entire time I was born and probably died right around this the time this episode came along, Dang. Toby. And then we had a Baxter. And we had a golly, and then we had a dolly. Uh, they were all bo- all boxers. So, oh, that's cute. The same sort of a wiry build as Santa's little helper, almost, but mm-hmm. um, a, a lot more behaved. So, yeah, I, I was a dog guy, and you know, loved um, stories about dogs. You know, would read where the red fern grows and cries, and so uh, I, I, I buy into Bart's emotions in this episode. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I, I and been... now I'm a corgi guy, so oh, I, I don't oh, have wow. a corgi, but I that, those are my favorite dogs. Like They're great. When I've been out in San Francisco for Sketchfest, I've met up with some of the <laughs> celebrity a... corgis that live there and stuff. So you'll see I, a lot uh, of corgis around the Bay Area. I think I walked oh, yeah. by one this morning. Yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I have been dog free my entire life, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because growing up, my sister was allergic to everything. Mm. And it gave her all the attention. Your sister's all, your sister's gonna die. Oh no! Go play Nintendo or something. Uh, but yeah, that's what happened. And then uh, as she got older, uh, she stopped being allergic to everything. And then once I moved out, all the animals came into the house. Wow. But I was gone. But never a dog. There was never a dog present. And that's uh, yeah. You know, we had dogs until I was like four or five, and uh, one was gotten rid of because it bit me, and uh, and sadly the other one passed away from like early cancer it was very it was uh like very heartbreaking to me as a little kid and then we didn't have pets until i was 14 and then it was cats which were a lot less work but we didn't have any well they're more work and less work in, in, in but but i was used to like our cats were jerks but in the ways cats are jerks so i was like uh, i guess this cat's poorly behaved but what are you gonna do it's a cat like they're just gonna knock <laughs> shit over and you either keep your cat or and and deal with and just accept that that's your life now or you get rid of your cat and we of course kept our cats because we did love them despite being uh assholes yeah the 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 nature of snowball 2 in this episode where it's sort of there at times and is um you know a background player in the scene is very much the role of of cats uh, in my life as well Mm. like they're they're there you like them but it's not like you're you're not going to center an episode around them (laughs) yeah it's pretty rare for them to i think there isn't a true snowball centric episode until like the teens of the show when they kill it yeah oh, well maybe something like that uh and uh, and yes also i noted that this episode uh it aired out most of these episodes do air in their production order pretty close to it except for this one it kind of jumps the it, it got held until the deep deep trouble music video was ready mm. so it could be partnered with it as part of the second single uh spring promotion of the album simpson sing the blues so uh which was that because it was shorter so they could fit the video in well actually this episode was shortened uh for uh, airing like there's uh there's about 90 seconds of this episode that every time i watch it are completely new to me <laughs> uh, over and over again because in my brain I have locked in the experience of watching my tapes over and over again. And this is Henry's Tale the Tape. It's back. <laughs> but but because we taped it off TV with the Deep Deep Trouble, there's 90 seconds they cut out of this that are put back in the DVD version. And I think we're kept in the other future airings that didn't have Deep Deep Trouble. Uh, but they had to cut it to fit it in there. They would do the same with the, uh, the black or white. Uh, no, black. And, I always get it wrong. The Michael Jackson uh, video. It don't matter if you're black or white. 
Bartmans. Yes. Yes. Are those uh, Deep Deep Trouble and Do the Bartman? Are those available on our nation's karaoke systems? That's something I, I've got to put a note in my potential performance song. <laughs> I do would... believe I've heard people sing Do the Bartman at things I've right. been at. I it it, it never struck me to look because I think I'd just be too afraid people would leave. But uh, <laughs> right. now, now I want to do it. If I'm in a I had safe the mic space. snatched out of my hand at a party in July by someone I didn't know who looked very angry because I was like, it's 1230 at night. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna do Rebecca back Friday and then leave. And it, <laughs> it didn't make it all the way through. It was, uh, people, my wife had said, don't do it. People aren't going to know it and they're not going to appreciate it if they do know it. And I was like, I will take that into consideration yeah. <laughs> as I put Friday into the queue. <laughs> what were they doing 10 years ago? Were they not on the internet? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He looked, he, he, for, for someone who doesn't know you to do that, you have to have crossed a line, I think. <laughs> Uh, he was right to do it, though. <laughs> uh, but but deep, deep trouble. We already talked a ton about that in our Simpsons Sing the Blues podcast. Uh, but I mean, the short version is that, like it. They decided that it would be the second because it is the other Bart centric song in it that isn't with Chuck Berry. Uh, they decided they'd, <laughs> they do that one. And, I mean, it was smart uh, pick, too, because it's like it's the Bart rap. Bart raps uh, written by DZ, DJ Jazzy <laughs> Jeff. And it's the better of the two yeah. music videos. I think it's, it's the better Bart rap on the album yeah yeah totally but uh and and the music video you know co-directed by David Silverman and Greg Vanzo and it's the rough draft studio who were doing the amazing Butterfinger commercials at the time like it's something like the sharpest Bart has ever looked I hmm. I I really like the the look of the deep deep troll video even though like some of the raps are I mean corny even by 1990 hmm. commercial rap standards <laughs> but <laughs> but as an eight-year-old I couldn't be more excited <laughs> to see this episode all about Bart and then the Bart new bart song at the end of it too is that the only time nintendo's actually mentioned on the uh, in the era it was growing up and like mm, you know? all right nintendo for cash nintendo yeah. for cash yeah. yeah i don't think uh you know we should double check on freakyak but i don't think they actually say nintendo as a thing until in, super in, nintendo chalmers yeah huh. yeah there we go. yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> and super nintendo was long dead at that point uh, and not to be too negative up front but we talked about this when we covered this episode five years ago but i still stand that uh by the fact that this is a fact by the way <laughs> Dog of Death is the better episode with Santa's Little Helper of this era, and it happens next year. Yes. Yeah. So, like, I don't like a lot of the back half of season two. Some of the episodes are just so dreary. I consider this and War of the Simpsons and Brush with Greatness and Old Money. They're fine. They were, like, the one of the best things on TV at the time. But when I go back to them, I'm just like, these are so slow and dreary. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them for me. There's some good jokes in here, but I'm waiting to get past the end of season two. Oh, wait. Actually, Blood Feud is the one I can't wait yeah. to get to. And, and Lisa. Uh, substitute substitute yeah. yeah i watched this last night and i thought the same thing i just for a simpsons it just didn't seem super you know wacky it was mm-hmm. a fairly straightforward episode there wasn't a real like crazy b plot or anything like that and so there wasn't a lot of really memorable moments i think because it was so straightforward in in my memory i rewrite much of this episode with scenes from dog of death which just is like a sequel episode to this we interviewed john Vitti. let's do it on the patreon uh but <laughs> um he he's very critical of his work and he is on this uh the the commentary for this episode too and i think it was him feeling like oh this is a very like standard sitcom plot of like oh is the kid gonna lose his dog and will he go to obedience school it doesn't shake things up enough dog of death shakes things up way more than this one does and it has this one really is just about like it doesn't even have a fun first act thing it's just like at least it gets sick it's just like the boy might lose 
lose his dog the girl gets the gets the mom so no like that that you'd have seen that on like full house you know but yeah. but it's baby talk on baby talk <laughs> but but instead in this case uh or in dog of death it's like a long thing about the lottery and just a yeah. very fun series of just sketches about uh, town getting lotto fever which i love <laughs> right exactly that's where the, the the inmates had sort of taken over at that point in time yeah and <laughs> oh, while we're in the preamble i have one yes. uh debut in this episode i want to talk about oh, and that is of uh, frank welker mm-hmm. uh, uh connor are you aware of who frank welker is is he the voice of optimus prime is he optimus prime henry no henry? he's uh megatron okay he's the, okay. the all, uh, peter cullen is the voice of optimus prime okay. but uh, frank, i knew he was some sort of transformer yes frank welker and, voice acting since the 60s he's freddy and scooby-doo he's every animal you hear and everything which is why they hired him to be santa's little helper and many other animal voices in the simpsons i I assumed he was with the show like until now like i'm sure they bring him back right no he stopped making guest appearances in season 13 and i can tell you why oh whoa so (laughs) i went to this interview with him on a dead website i had to go to internet archive to find like an archive version of it and in that website he answers the question why he's not on the show anymore and i quote a few years back, Dan Castellaneta did Santa's Little Helper in rehearsal, and unfortunately for me, did it a little too good. The producers thought, hmm, Dan barks pretty good, and we're already paying him, and he seems to like doing the dog thing. Why do we need to pay Welker, who comes in here, spends less than an hour, eats all the donuts, refuses to come to rehearsals? Let's just give the damn dog to Dan. Bingo, I'm out. I did do lots of shows that needed sound effects and weird sounds, but Santa is without this little helper. And then in a follow-up comment to this, the non-jokey reason is he asked for more money and they said no. I knew it. <laughs> yes. I knew it, man. I was sure. Season 13, that belt is tightening in, which is insane. And I mean, the, uh, this is funny to mention this because <laughs> I watched an old, uh, for research purposes, I watched that uh, classic Conan roundtable interview with Gene Reese, Jay Kogan, and uh, Jeff Martin. And the, they talk about a lot of things and one of them is just all these petty things that Fox said, like, well, that Mike Reese had to pay back 45 cents for cough drops that he sent an assistant to buy for him. <laughs> and they talk about all this nickel and diming they had in like the classic years. And then even in season 13, they're like, hey, Dan can bark fine. Get rid- Why are we playing a specialist to come in here and do barking? It, and Frank is great at what he does. I, I honestly think Dan's uh, portrayal as a Santa's little helper is more funny. Oh, sure. Because it's less realistic. <laughs> it makes me laugh more here. When he's going, like, bark, bark, bark. Yeah. Yes. Chewie? Yeah. That's one of my all-time favorite uh, SLH moments. Uh, so I should have known it was money. That's why he left, man. Uh, that's that's sad, though. It's those little things, you know, that mm-hmm. it just, I think it's death by a thousand cuts with Simpsons, where you're like, oh, why the quality, why do I feel the quality dipped a little bit? It's like, well, they. it's all these little choices they make. Like, do we need Frank Welker? Do we need this? Do we need that? You know. And it should be noted before we begin that he wasn't always doing the voice. It was when they had a... Uh, uh, episode focused on the dog or other animals they would bring him in mm-hmm. man it still is the greatest fear of many a working person just to that one of your co-workers will they'll realize can do your job better for you <laughs> for less money that's uh I, I i wake up in bed every night screaming about that possibility what well, well, an important part of worker solidarity is making sure you don't work good enough to make another <laughs> a friend of yours look bad that's important <laughs> we all need to bring each other down <laughs> The Simpsons will be right back. Bart's 
dog is driving the Simpsons crazy. No, not that fourth section! No! And this Thursday... Oh, no, we'd never give him away. But we're moving to another country where dogs are forbidden. He'll have to pass obedience school or he's out of the family. You can't give my dog away. Bart! I'm afraid I agree with your father. You do? <laughs> An all-new Simpsons Thursday. Then catch the world premiere of my new video. I'm in deep, deep trouble. So what else is new, man? Welcome to the break, everybody, for a podcast where no one is named Corey. And a big thank you to our guest this week, Connor Lestoka. We always love having him on. He's a great writer for Riff Tracks. Check that out. Plus, the podcast he does with Riff Tracks host Michael J. Nelson. 372 pages we'll never get back. A lot of fun. Check them both out. And if you're a fan of Talking Simpsons, you should be checking out all the cool stuff we do at Patreon dot com slash talking simpsons because me and bob can only do this as our full-time job because of the support of folks at that website patreon.com slash talking simpsons if you sign up there today you not only get to know that me and bob are able to pay our bills but also you get every episode of talking simpsons a week ahead of time and ad free none of this you'll be hearing plus you get access to over 100 exclusive to patreon podcasts including right now our new weekly mini series blabbing a about Batman the animated series where me and Bob are covering 10 of our favorite episodes of the Batman animated series from the 90s and there are some really really great ones me and Bob have had a great time and you get access to all our previous ones us covering King of the Hill Mission Hill the critic and every month a new episode of talking Futurama to boot of us covering Futurama we're in season three pretty far now so please check all of that out at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons But if you want something even fancier than a cookie with macadamia nuts, you should check out the $10 premium level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. You see, we have a sister podcast, What a Cartoon, and once a month on that, we do What a Cartoon Movie, often talking for over four hours about an animated feature film, super in-depth, just like we do with The Simpsons. You can only hear the full thing if you sign up for a $10 level. Us covering films like this month, the Christmas classic and problematic to say the least, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Before that, we covered for October, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, and a giant back catalog over three years and 200 hours of what a cartoon movies at your disposal. If you sign up for that $10 level now, films as diverse as a goofy movie to Akira, to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, to Beavis and Butthead, to America, and tons, tons more. Check it all out when you go to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons to peep all of those wonderful goodies. Well, also, the other big guest star in this episode uh, is oh, right. Tracy Ullman. You know, in, in our past in histories on The Simpsons, uh, we haven't mentioned her a ton, even though she is a very key but controversial figure in Simpsons history. Uh, and I feel like it's time to finally really talk about her since this is when she 
at last appeared in the simpsons uh four years after it debuted on her show <laughs> all right tracy ullman what's the deal with her she was born in 1959 in england uh she got her big break in the uk both as a comedic uh, comedic actress and music performer she actually had like a couple of number one or high ranking in the billboard songs uh in in the uk that no one's heard of here but they in, in like 83 and 84 big hits is that how like how ricky gervais was uh, a pop star before he was uh a weir- like a comedic weirdo that's, that's true yes okay. i don't think his band charted any no. but, her, but hers did uh and on top of that she started getting cast in stuff and she's in the truly terrible uh paul mccartney film give my regards to broad street mm. she's she's in that and and still friends with mccartney to this day i believe uh, and she appeared in a lot of hip british comedy in the early 80s that featured you know bbc uh, import superstars like rick mayall and french and saunders if you're if, if you're a hardcore uh, fan who watched abfab on the bbc on, on the comedy central in america you've you've heard of these people rick mayall i believe shows up in a one or two riff tracks movies that were also quite terrible <laughs> uh he he was great but he you know i i don't begrudge mayall for getting his paydays no not at all <laughs> no one played a better drop dead fred than him yeah <laughs> Uh, and and promoting Nintendo video games to British kids like a champ he did. But uh, but so 1985 though Tracy Ullman is out for the big money, which is in the United States. Uh, so she is pitching herself for shows in Los Angeles. She actually films a pilot for a typical b- workplace sitcom where it's like, oh, isn't it funny a British woman adjusting to living in America? Uh, and uh, CBS passes on that. Ullman's like, well, crap. Uh, she gets a new American agent that american agent sets her up with a meeting with james l brooks in 1986 also james l brooks who had just started his gracie films company in 1986 with producer extraordinaire polly pratt they see her stuff and they're like you're a genius we want to work with you but sitcoms make no sense for you you nobody's heard of you you should just have a sketch show and on top of that james l brooks has a new deal with fox that fox wants to work very much with the director of terms of endearment and they've like we they will take any show he pitches Ullman though is pregnant so they're like okay this will have to wait till start of 1987 but I know the great show for you. It's a variety show. We're going to bring variety back to primetime on this new channel, Fox. Gracie sets it up uh, with Polly Pratt and others. They get uh, Dan Castellaneta, Julie Kavner. I forget that in the first season of Oldman Show, there are also guest lectures by Harry Shearer. So hmm. he's also in season one. I didn't realize that. It was Brooks's idea that there should be brief cartoons, not unlike on Monty Python, that would separate these sketches and uh the very first one for the first two weeks was dr ngadatu a female psychiatrist comedy that looks like a new yorker cartoon seems fine and all but there no one remembers it well it was the, the show was the nation showcase for psychiatrist jokes it as was. troy mcclure said <laughs> uh and also key to the start of the show is that right before they begin filming omen and another executive producer on the show can sign a contract that sounds pretty standard for the deal in uh, like say happens on saturday night live or even brooks's previous shows like mary tyler moore which is 
I'll read it, the quoted thing from the, the law, later lawsuit. 5 to 10% of profits from products or programs based on spinoff characters, mm-hmm. end quote, would be due to Allman and a, another producer from the show. Like, they signed that deal at the start of the show. And Sounds pretty cut and dry. No, no room for possible interpretation <laughs> or uh, <laughs> funneling of millions of dollars away from the person. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, meanwhile, somebody we also don't talk enough about but was alerted to me by Drew Mack. Our, our pal uh the late Polly pratt who is a filmmaker like legend honestly under talked about in the in the world of film uh she was the producing partner with james l brooks she is identified by many as the person who said to james l brooks hey this life in hell comic is pretty funny check it out mm-hmm. and brooks then was like i want life in hell cartoons to be the bumpers when matt Groening doesn't want to lose the rights to life in hell cartoons to gracie films he makes up a bunch of uh, a family that's kind of like his family and thus the legend begins uh but so the simpsons debut in the third episode of the almond show instantly they are the breakout of the show like people who worked on the show were like audiences were fine with almonds you know stand up or, or her uh, singing musical performances all that stuff but they really loved the simpsons and the simpsons were way more popular and i'll say i think tracy almond is uh, i think she's a very good performer i remember liking watching tracy almond show with my mom too but uh there's also a lot of her work that mm-hmm. uh, she should be happy that nobody watches because uh, um, she liked to put on a lot of makeup and <laughs> uh, d- uh, pretend to be other races. And, uh, and yeah, not, she should just be like, you know what? Nobody should watch the old Tracy Ullman show. <laughs> uh, but okay, so simpsons spins out almond show the last season of almond show doesn't have the simpsons coincidentally uh, in may 1990 her show is canceled after the simpsonless season while meanwhile the simpsons is this gigantic breakout hit from january to may of 1990 uh almond uh in september of 1990 when the tracy almond show wins an emmy after being canceled and she's really feeling herself mm. she says in an interview I breastfed the little devils about the Simpsons and actually uh, in a 2016 interview with the, on the Graham Norton show he's like oh and uh, you uh, did you like create the Simpsons Ooh. and that's a Larry King question I know it's uh, yeah and and she repeats the I breastfed them kind of line and talks about how Julie and Dan were cast on it and she does very funny impersonations Julie Kavner I will I must admit uh, Graham was like wait you did those drawings of the simpsons breastfeeding that i saw she's like no no i didn't mean literally uh but but she says that the simpsons started on her show she does not agree with graham norton she created the simpsons i i will clarify that there uh but so but she did still say that the official story on the commentary for this episode and had been repeated elsewhere uh by graining was he wanted her to do a voice on the simpsons but she was too busy working on all the other aspects of the show wouldn't do it uh uh, Jay Kogan, who was writing on The Simpsons at the time and started as a Tracy Ullman writer, so he would know, and he's also into burning bridges, uh, he <laughs> said in a 2013 interview something quite different, uh, which I'll play now. Uh, it was Dan and Julie, Dan Kessler and Julie Kavner were on the Tracy Ullman show, and as I understand it, uh, Tracy Ullman was too busy to do any of the parts, so... She, uh, she hated it as well. She hated it. She hated the cartoons? Oh, yes. She wanted it off the show. Right. And and uh, and then later on she sued 
for money because she said I, I, I breastfed these babies and these were from <laughs> my from my show. Like no, she had nothing to do with it and ex actively tried to get it get it off the show. So uh, there's well, the rest of us wow. uh, <laughs> the rest of us have no opinion on what you've just said, <laughs> Jay Kogan. However, of one of we can't anger Tracy Ullman, yeah, I know. the most powerful woman in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like she had the same relationship with The Simpsons that early SNL people have with The Muppets. Like, yeah. we hate this. It doesn't belong on our show. Yeah. It takes time away from other people. Mm -hmm. I th I'm sure that's what she thought. Like, I need my actors. Yeah. I can't have them going away to do voices on things. And it takes a minute out of your show. And, I mean, too, no one's talking about the great work you feel you're doing. People mm -hmm. are laughing more at this cartoon that you have nothing to do with. So, I can understand her anger at it for sure no oh, absolutely it's a tale as old as you know as hollywood that <laughs> to have someone just come up and you know snatch away the spotlight from you and that gets you irritated and I, what conan said at the end of that thing is something that i think every time you hear it in an interview it's like well the rest of us have no opinion about that and everyone <laughs>, laughs it's like, yeah we all know exactly what that means yes uh well these things get played back in courtrooms sometimes so conan uh, is jokingly but also correct like saying like no seriously uh we i have no comment on that yeah, but uh, but so throughout 1990, I think Allman was still professionally friendly with Gracie. I can imagine the timeline of this is she would have recorded this in like summer or early fall of 1990. And not long after her show got canceled and uh, maybe that freed her up to do a guest voice on this episode. After she records, this would be the holiday season where Simpsons merchandise, uh, according to articles from the time, made 750 million dollars in merch sales just in 1990 it was like only behind the ninja turtles yeah. as the most bought merchandise of the holiday season and that included simpson sing the blues bringing in all this money so i don't know if you're tracy ullman who just had your show canceled and sees this show that is I mean, quite honestly, did spin out of your show making all of this money and you're not getting paid for it. <laughs> uh, well, wouldn't you, six weeks after this episode on April 19th, 1991, sue 20th Century Fox for at least $2 million? Wouldn't you have done the same thing? And also would entitle them to future profits as well on the series. It wouldn't, it wouldn't just be, give me $2 million and then we're done. It would be, and also we get a piece of all of that, which I definitely see what Kogan is saying, that Ullman didn't make this didn't create it but it's like did lauren michaels create any like wayne's world did he create them yeah. no but he gets yeah. a shitload of money out of it like i i feel it's kind of a i think ultimately omen did get a raw deal out of this she should have gotten some money from the simpsons because it did start on her show so they didn't give her the money that she sued them for so she sues them and it should be noted that she was suing 20th century fox and very specifically mm. was not suing gracie films or james l brooks mm -hmm. in part because she had a major role in i'll do anything james l brooks's next film uh which is uh, an entire uh movie podcast into <laughs> itself about what a fiasco it was that uh, it is an entire prince album's worth of songs is in it that then got cut out of the movie it's um insane but she's in the movie and so she's like well i don't want to sue james l brooks but 
her attempt to be nice i don't think made anybody happy Mm. because so she files that suit in 91 six weeks after this episode airs 18 months later the suit is finally settled the jury rejects her claims and thinks she is not due any money for it and that only matt grading is the creator of the show and thus she does not deserve payment for it and also i think she was hurt that the the stories at the time as variety reported james l brooks showed up on video and i have to think that even though she wasn't suing james l brooks him having to get lawyered up make all this while he's trying to make a movie that is falling apart under him i don't think that made him happy and there's a reason james l brooks and ullman did not work (laughs) together again after this ultimately she got a fifty-eight thousand dollar payment from the simpsons in that's like uh, here are two free tickets (laughs) (laughs) but i'm tracy ullman here are two free tickets yeah it's just like um that's like a half a day's worth of bart doll sales maybe in one state and it's like i know it's it there's certainly the argument of why should tracy ullman who didn't really do anything for the simpsons and seemingly actively didn't want them on her show at one point why should she get you know some big payday from the simpsons but because it was in her contract yeah one it was in her contract so apparently the jury disagrees but secondly it's like well who else is getting that money from it some executive who didn't do anything for the simpsons like uh but arguing that people should not get money that they didn't work to earn is uh something that's like ah it's my first day in hollywood and this is something i will argue about like uh, but uh but hey a happy ending for tracy ullman anyway way though because after this she then went back to the uk uh her husband who was also a very powerful film producer uh got her a bunch of gigs on itv and then in the mid 90s hbo was like hey we want to be in the tracy ullman business like they made multiple specials with her the tracy takes on show which again she should be happy is not on hbo max because um there'd be a lot of videos of her on twitter right now of uh, her as some characters that i won't even say the characters names because those character names are racist also she did the voice on their little lulu cartoon show as well right but yeah so and uh, according to one article from like 2008 she w- at one point was the richest woman in the history of uk comedy wow. so she's doing fine don't feel bad for her i guess but if i was on that jury i would have sided with her of like she's due some money for a spinoff from her show i was trying to find out if there's any way to watch the tracy ullman show it's never been released on dvd in america at least mm. at least in this territory and then i found something called uh, not the tracy allman show but tracy allman's show which mm. is her newest show from yeah. the 2010s <laughs> i see so yeah and again like um these shorts uh, from that era are not available legally anywhere and that's a huge shame and they should be even if they're not proud of their work they should be and it's a, an important part of the most uh one of the most sh- important shows of all time you yeah. know it's like it's like disney saying you can't watch steamboat willie or whatever i would bet after really digging into the details and likely hurt feelings between gracie and Ullman over this even though she didn't directly sue him them and also certainly 20th Century Fox hurts feeling about it I have a feeling that if they were to put any Tracy Ullman content on DVD which would include the Simpsons shorts even if it was just the shorts they probably would have to cut a big check to Tracy Ullman mm-hmm. to put it on there yeah. and I would think that after that lawsuit there are probably some hurt feel uh, people with hurt feelings that said I don't want to give her apricot one <laughs> <laughs> 
so they just cut her cut her out of it that's my new theory mm. on on why those things aren't on there because i would think legally those count as clips from tracy ullman show and you'd have to pay her as part of it even though gracie like was the production company for it but but that's my guess but anyway yes that there is the full story about tracy ullman as it relates to the simpsons and of course i'll do anything comes out in theaters gigantic huge bomb also it's why we didn't get a prince simpsons episode mm. or there was a simpsons sing the blues uh sequel album that was supposed to have bart singing with prince that never came that song got canceled because prince and brooks had a falling out over the i'll do anything movie but uh, but that's a story for another day all right i i feel like i talked about all so, that stuff uh, too because this episode's boring Bart's like it's an f <laughs> yes Bart's uh it turns out he doesn't the end <laughs> uh so uh yeah this this episode begins with homer waking up getting his paper just like tony soprano at the start of the sopranos uh but i i really do love jim reardon and his team on this there's some great bad or wrong drawings of simpsons in this that i just love like homer i tweeted it out last night but homer's unhinged jaw like yawn is crazy looking i love how he yawns in the opening here yeah there were some definitely um some other like perspectives of the dog that i don't feel like i'd ever seen before either like a lot of sort of fisheye views of the dog from like yeah. you know, the nose point of view so there, there were some interesting choices yeah animation wise i think that reardon was doing a really good job in this one uh even if vd was uh playing it very safe with just like yeah it's a it's a story of a boy and his dog that, that tugs on all the usual heartstrings but uh but yeah santa's little helper terribly misbehaved this entire episode starts with him tearing the paper in half cute little shot of homer just staring at slh through the through the newspaper hole that he had torn in it <laughs> i i would think homer i i blame homer a little bit on this because i think the dog is tearing this stuff apart because homer hasn't fed him yet it's breakfast time like even when he eats obviously the dog shouldn't jump on the table and eat your breakfast but maybe homer should have laid out his food instead for him like uh, you know dogs are they, they respond to routine very mm -hmm. well yes you almost never see a dog where you're like that's a bad dog but the owner is so conscientious and <laughs> responsible like I, what has happened here uh you know it sounds like we go to the marvin monroe school of dog training that it's your fault bad uh, owner the, yes but but it's true it's true uh and yes uh, so we get also the first of the many cute dog point of view shots which reardon definitely said like it's easy to write in a script that uh, for uh, first first person perspective shot not so easy to animate mm -hmm. on a tv budget but they did a very very good job with it and this was how as a little kid i learned many dog facts including the dog see in black and white that they are colorblind has that been confirmed have we asked the dog <laughs> uh hey i i just trust people told me it enough i i haven't looked into the science of it but i believe it <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah also the, the but apparently though it is a instead of sometimes when they had black and white in the show and they'd animate with a color palette in black and white this instead was animated in color and then they did a video effect on it to make it black and white but yes after homer is uh wrestling with the dog lisa meanwhile isn't having a great morning in our first clip lisa you don't look well i'll make it mom just take my lunchbox to my hand oh, ma you're burning up and your cheeks are so swollen I think you have the mumps. I'm calling Dr. Hibbert. Marge, the dog is hungry. Well, then feed him. Yes, master. No! Oh! 
<laughs> just very observational stuff of uh, passive aggressiveness between a mother and father. But I really, I love Homer's sing-songy, the dog is hungry, and Marge is like sing-songy back, well then feed him. You rarely see Marge sassing back that much. Yeah. I feel like it's just because she's stressed about Lisa being sick that she is not being agreeable and just saying like, no, just do something for yourself for one summer. <laughs> I wonder what the last portrayal of the mumps in like, you know, popular fiction was because i feel like that was something that was widely eradicated it's probably back in full force now but uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't you feel like that, that might have been its its last hurrah in like 1990 i never knew anyone who had the mumps same I here never, yeah. i mean yeah i one of I, our funniest <laughs> sounding diseases clearly something you don't want to get but i remember getting the mmr shots exactly yeah. measles yeah. mumps rubella mm-hmm. the dangerous trio i mean if you're thinking of funny ones to afflict a character with mumps uh in children causes your face to swell up so you know that's funny apparently apparently it can also uh cause your um uh, testicles to swell up as well not so nice. funny there mm. but or, or maybe that's even funnier was that area on the grande's cousin <laughs> no. that happened to right, yes exactly <laughs> yeah no i mean now i'm thinking with you know today brain seems like lisa had a breakthrough case despite being mm. vaccinated uh she better which... film a tiktok of her foot vibrating or something <laughs> convince some people out there uh apparently it was like 97 percent gone in the early 90s and uh guess what yes in the last decade it has had somewhat of a resurgence uh it's predicted yet another thing it's true (laughs) you know there's been funnier lisa stays home from school sick ones too in uh the one with her playing uh, the crash bandicoot uh, clone dash dingo uh that was funnier than this but i i i like lisa saying like just tape the thing to my hand i can do it i can just make it she's that committed i like upon this rewatch i i felt bad for lisa because her mom is like hey lisa you're sick let's learn a craft yes that's true <laughs> it's like leave lisa alone yeah. let her watch tv or something i want to watch prices right and lay in bed all day just let me do that <laughs> then a nice uh, little cut from a sans little helper chewing on the food to him then being tied up outside and it's a really great little gag that the circumference of where his chain is is entirely just a circle that's torn up like it shows as far as he can get he ripped apart everything I I had two friends. One had just a wild dog. The other one had a mean dog. Mm. The wild dog would just burst out of whatever door you opened (laughs) and would just escape at at every every turn. It was always running away. The mean dog was this husky, and uh, it was tied up in one part of the yard. It was sort of like on one of those clotheslines where it could like walk back and forth the length Ah. of the yard. You did not go in that part of the yard (laughs) because it would bite you. Yeah. Ouch. Damn. I got bit by a dog when I tried to mow uh, the the lawn of the guy who lived across the street, and it like ran, chased me. I like leaped over the fence. It bit me in the ass and tore my Animaniacs t-shirt. Oh. And uh, when I when I went over to be like, "Hey, like your dog bit me," he's like, "Yeah, I thought I said not to like go back there until we got home." And I was like, <laughs> "I am 14, sir. I was just trying to earn my 15 dollars. Like, <laughs> please don't lecture me about the dog that bit me." <laughs> now I have to go to the Warner Brothers store. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I think Paul F. Tompkins has this hilarious joke about like a dog just screaming in their face, like, "Oh, he's a, he's okay." 
okay. It's okay. It's like, I don't think it is okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but The last words you hear are, he's friendly. That's yeah, Yes. And yeah, we also get to see a flashback to Krusty gets busted with a talking Krusty doll being torn apart. I, I also just love hearing, I don't know, something about hearing Dan speak gibberish in the affected sound like, like was that also in the crepes of wrath when homer falls on the stairs and the crusty doll keeps yes, saying you're my best friend that oh. you're right actually okay. it's more a call back to crepes of wrath you're right yeah which vd co-wrote that one yeah everybody wrote that episode <laughs> and uh, that way none of them can take full uh, responsibility for it but if i had had my act together talking in the way that the dog hears everything would have been the thing i would have done for my intro so <laughs> go back and paste that to the <laughs> then marge also really crosses the line calling her doctor at home you know what just go if it's that bad you just go to urgent care if you're gonna do it don't don't bother you gotta have boundaries with your doctor you know it's funny how the audience does not know how uh she got his number but uh he hears it (laughs) yes yeah quite ingenious that that feels like a joke on vd's case of like i could have written something clever but i'm just gonna say i've seen say like "Mm, quite ingenious and we heard a chuckle in what was it uh it was old, uh, money. old money and also uh when he has the mild arrhythmia yes like you'll bury us all <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and this one he won't stop laughing like he this is the most laugh heavy hibbert they, they found it mm-hmm. they're like this is what he does he laughs at everything this is when they have fully decided this is a parody of the cosby show and so mm-hmm. uh like yes the the shot of the hibbert family home reveals the hibbert family which we'd never seen before basically in the same kind of breakfast nook as seen with the Huxtables yeah. in their very popular show at the time and they even have him wearing a very elaborate sweater mm-hmm. as well as would have been worn by Cliff Huxtable <laughs> I, I prefer to just say that maybe. America's dead and <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you change to NBC while you were watching this you'd probably see this kitchen because yes, it was yeah. airing opposite the Cosby show Yeah, I uh, thought that the sun at the table was like a dead ringer for some of the bootleg Bart t-shirts they had made like the ones where you'd be dunking it looked like they used that model for those t-shirts they, they never really figured out how many kids hibbert has or what they look like i mean in the beginning it was like well he just has the cosby kids he yes. just has the huxtable kids the three of them but then like in the future he just gets all an assortment of children depending we, on the scene we recorded the one where homer saves his baby where it's like oh i guess right. they had a baby okay <laughs> but uh but yes hibbert uh, gets a call at home from marge hello dr hibbert this is marge simpson oh uh, not that i'm angry but uh, how did you get my home number <laughs> I see, quite ingenious. Doctor, I think Lisa has the mumps. <laughs> well, Mrs. Simpson, <laughs> much as I'd like to rely on your diagnosis, I think it might be professionally derelict of me to do so. Let me check my schedule. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two o'clock is fine. Thank you, Dr. Hibbert. No way, she's faking. If Lisa stays home, I stay home. If Bart stays home, I'm going to school. Fine. Then, wait a minute, if Lisa goes to school, then I go to school. But then Lisa stays home, so I stay home. So Lisa goes to school. Lisa, don't confuse your brother like that. Have a nice day at school, Bart. Get my homework for Mrs. Hoover. Homework? Lisa, you wasted chicken pox. Don't waste the mumps. (laughs) 
This was the important lesson to eight-year-old me of just like you have to milk as much as you can out of any sick day. Like that's the important that that uh, was burned into my brain after this scene. <laughs> you can't waste like when I and I got chicken pox not long after this episode, and so I, mm. I learned not to waste them. Though I didn't have a good time having chicken pox, no. but uh, but I I definitely you know ate the I I ate all the junk I could and watched all the Nickelodeon I could. I had a uh, former annoying co-worker who used to pronounce it schedule so hearing that last night was a real like sort of just you know flashback kind of moment i've only heard dr hibbert and jay sherman say it that way well these fancy harvard boys now i well i also uh in the original airing hibbert's professionally derelict of me to do so line that whole thing was just cut it Mm. just goes straight from hibbert saying like oh quite ingenious let me check my schedule and it cut it uh hibbert took the most of the cuts uh in uh, to make room for deep deep trouble that uh, which i think his it's, lines are kind of boring but uh, i yeah. think uh, they were taking the also at the time they were being like a little too literal but about the writing where it's like well lisa has to go to the doctor first mm. before she knows she has the mumps <laughs> and then she can come home and you know stay home from school it's like they were they weren't thinking yeah the, the way they would think in the future it's just like not not so literally by season eight they would just start at hibbert's you could just be right yeah. at hibbert's but yeah this definitely feels like in season two we've seen it many times where you just like well how do they get to hibbert's obviously they gotta call him first and get and set up an appointment they can't just show up there show every part of the process new day yes (laughs) uh and also uh on the commentary greening reveals the thing i had forgotten that mrs hoover is named after his own first grade teacher who appreciated it apparently yes and uh so yeah and also uh miss hoover the uh oh sorry miss hoover i thought you meant dr hibbert's wife (laughs) oh that's bernice oh that's the debut of bernice yes yeah (laughs) who uh as we will later find out has a secret alcohol problem she she needs to deal with <laughs> uh but uh but yeah this uh it also felt very life in hell seeing bart try to figure out a logic puzzle like this this exchange between two kids feels very uh graining e to me and there's a very subtle joke uh that's not really communicated very well in the animation but it's funny in that uh santa's little helper he digs a hole he puts a flower pot in the hole and instead of burying the flower pot he, instead of burying the flower pot he digs the dirt out of the flower pot <laughs> that's great i i do like that joke a lot yeah, too that was cute yeah he's he dug all he could so he needs to redig a different thing and put it in there uh this is when he chases after bart and he breaks his never break dog collar from the 89 cent store must have been bought on the same trip homer did when he got that pork chop that uh for for maggie in the christmas special i also like that Otto is totally cool with sam's little helper coming on the bus he's like i just let him do it but they wouldn't revisit that for another like six uh, 70 plus episodes mm. in in the uh 100th episode spectacular says little helper just walks around loose after bart shoes him away bart uh like an irresponsible little kid just goes like no just go home go home he's he do- he's not putting the dog back in the house there's no real joke to it but i just always chuckle every time i see sans little helper eat that bug the bug is so sad yeah <laughs> <laughs> this big crunchy green bug well also i get it's the perspective shot of his like giant nose into the frame and then crunching mm-hmm. on the bug like i don't know it's just funny <laughs> and then he bothers apu eats his beef jerky perhaps the inspiration for 
Apu's later joke, hands off my jerky turkey. <laughs> there was another line about how the cat spent all day eating bugs in another episode. So there must have yeah. been some writer who who had a hang up with dogs and cats eating bugs because it's not something I really associate with either of them. No. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if I see a cat or a dog eat a bug, I'm like, well, I guess they would do that. But it's not what I think of. Like if, if I was on Family Feud, it would not be in my top five list of things mm. bugs, uh, things dogs do. Right. Uh, but uh, yes, then in some horrible bird violence, Sand's little helper chases after some ducks. Oh, they get away safely. <laughs> That's true. He doesn't kill a duck. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then we get uh, the first voice appearance of Tracy Ullman for her other character in this. Yellow. Simpson, this is Sylvia Winfield. That canine of yours is in my pool again. I'm calling the dog warden right now. Oh, are you? Well, you go ahead and call your precious dog warden, <laughs> you old battle axe, because my dog is tied up in the backyard. There's only one family on this block. No, on earth. Inconsiderate enough to let a monster like that roam free. Oh. Are you losing your hearing or are you just stupid? I am going to explain this to you one more time and then I'm going to hang up on you. It is not my <laughs> dog. I tied my dog outside myself. I am looking at him right now. <laughs> and that's uh, Tracy Ullman playing Mrs. Winfield. Yes. Uh, yeah. what previously seen in Homer's Odyssey, like, there's Simpson taking his motor for a walk. <laughs> Was that uh, it? Yes, that's okay. one. Yeah, and she'd uh, she'd be written off in, in the fourth season. Uh, they'd move out of town, run out of the clock in Florida, as Homer puts it. Not to be confused with Mrs. Glick. Yes, yeah, very different, Miss Winfield and Glick. I, yeah, the, the famous other neighbors of the Simpsons in the first uh, couple seasons. But I this whole scene here, like... It does make me think if Ullman had wanted to, she could have been the Harry Shearer of this show for women. Like she, she can do a lot of just random voices. It's basically what Tress McNeil would grow to do on the Simpsons, uh, to just be the utility female voice in the show. Ullman could have been that if she, I think she wanted to, but I mean, also it's like beneath her pay grade. Yeah. She, uh, she the, couldn't do blackface. There was no point. <laughs> <laughs> well, she could do it. We just couldn't see it. Yeah. Right, sure, yeah. <laughs> she showed up to the recording in blackface they just didn't talk about it no, no, but. i love the, the the term battle axe stuck out to me that's one we got to bring that back i love i love his like your precious dog warden like uh, <laughs> i mean honestly like the this scene between dan and tracy like it's easy to forget that these two have great chemistry because they did a sketch show together for yeah. four years it feels like kind of a waste that tracy Ullman. the rest of her scenes are pretty much just her and bart and uh, not that you know nancy totally fine does great as bart but it should have been a character that could bounce off Dan or even share one scene with Julie Kavner. And they might be you know. being directed by Sam Simon, who was a director on the Tracy Ullman show. I bet. I would bet they were. Yeah. Also, like the only episode of Tracy's Takes On I ever watched or remember watching her HBO one was the one that Julie Kavner was in just because like, oh, hey, look, Marge, Marge. on the show. Yeah. <laughs> in that she played a uh, closeted lesbian golfer who uh, Tracy is her secret girlfriend and it's her coming out story kind of thing. It was it was cute and all but it was also just you know of course her and tracy ullman acted together in uh, in several films in the 90s directed by uh, woodsy allen woodsy West allen Ballen, right yeah. <laughs> uh, you know i like his movie except for that nervous looking fellow who's always in him <laughs> uh again it's uh it's, it's uh, much like tracy takes on 
you can just leave those in the 90s it's good <laughs> you know if you saw them you enjoyed them whatever but but yeah i also love homer's speech i think it taught me a bad lesson as a kid of like oh this is how you have a serious argument like because i think when i've gotten in angry arguments with someone i have talked like homer like <laughs> it's not my dog like yeah <laughs> so petulance won't win you many arguments no no but it feels good in the moment how did that how was that a learning opportunity he lost the arguments i guess i just <laughs> love the cadence of it it felt like this lets people know you're serious in the if you talk in this cadence in an argument uh, imagine answering a phone call from your neighbor these days like it would just it would never happen yeah exactly yeah i, I mean, assume any phone call is just someone trying to steal my information mm-hmm. it's I like how do i one yesterday that was pr- pr- claiming it was using the the phone system from prison gto i think or gto mm-hmm. something like that that was just like well this is if it was from the prison with someone in prison calling about my car's extended warranty <laughs> that's probably what's coming next <laughs> yeah yeah uh no i just i got a call 11 30 last night from such God. a thing which i couldn't believe i've I I turned into my dad briefly in that moment like is there nothing sacred to call at this hour but uh, so then Homer has to admit defeat he goes and picks up his dog I, honestly Winfield was doing them a favor like she should have just called that dog warden and had his SLH put down she'd have been in her right to do so or just tell her husband like shoot that dog kill, 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 <laughs> kill it in the pool right now uh, but you never see Mr. Winfield again that's true yeah he's uh, she speaks of him but you never see him uh and so then homer as he's walking around he runs into his pal ned i don't know there's something about ned and his cool shoes well actually the way ned walks around that's me every morning now like for the last 18 months i have done a morning walk uh with heavy hands and anky weights as homer puts it and and i actually do walk around with a thing that tells me what my heart rate is yeah. and i do go like oh my heart rate did lower i need to <laughs> yeah. get moving we're, we're all in the fitbit mafia here yes, yeah who would have thought that that would have been something you know so many people would have as opposed to the you know the, the power walking yuppie caricature <laughs> yeah that was supposed to be in the in 1990 i i live so many years as homer but now at least for uh, two hours each morning i become ned i, I could tell the listeners my heart rate is at 64 beats per second oh 74 Ooh, wow 74. i'm getting excited 75 i gotta calm down <laughs> uh let's see uh i'm at 76 i see yes i'm uh, 78 but i am standing so oh oh but wow. I, I when i saw that i was like that was one of those signifiers of the of the early 90s that the you, if your neighbor in the in the movie was, was power walking usually <laughs> a sign that you were like the slob and that they were going to be sort of like uptight and like not tired of your antics quickly um, <laughs> but power walking's fun i like it though for me unfortunately i've only started doing it during the pandemic so anytime i see somebody's dog even though i would love to do what ned does to a dog here i'm like i probably shouldn't be in your personal space and touching a dog in uh in the covid world even like i walk by every now and then i walk by this really awesome cat who like has like a throne he basically perches on in Mm. front of a house to be petted and i just have to tell myself like you you can't do it don't do it what are you afraid of what's going to happen is the cat going to cough on you i don't know it just feels i feel like more personal boundaries over people's space Mm. even their pets that i like don't want to be like well hey i'm a stranger you i don't have a you know a t-shirt that says i am fully vaccinated 
kid. Is like, the cat is the cat uh, being monitored? <laughs> uh, you know, you never know. Okay, that's the thing. As it far seems... as I know, you can't spread COVID to a cat by petting it. But nah. you should bring cat petting gloves just in case. <laughs> uh, you know, I just I don't want. To, I I guess I'm being overly uh, worried about it. A pet, a, a random cat that doesn't have a person nearby. I should just pet that. Yes, cat. pet that cat, Henry. Got to live we'll our lives again. Yes, we'll wait. <laughs> yeah, get out there. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it. Stop kissing that cat. <laughs> uh, but but really what this scene is about, a very specific thing from 1990, 1991, isn't it? Yes, uh, because this was in the news, a hot button issue. Uh, thanks to the, to the Sports Illustrated uh, cover story, Your Sneakers or Your Life. Which uh, was, uh, was that from 1990, Henry? April of 1990, yeah, yeah, because, or May of 1990, because I read a 25-year retrospective on it uh, in 2015, so yes. And definitely the people writing this episode, or at least uh, John Vitti had read this, which is why the dark joke is that the shoes are called the Assassins, because they're a parody of Air Jordans, which was the luxury item that certain people were being murdered for in inner cities and whatnot. Yes, as, as reported by Sports Illustrated, and in a very, like, you know, long piece deeply researched they they talked to michael jordan i think um uh with the in mind our friends at the podcast citations needed that is uh, very much about uh media pr and uh bullshit as they put it it one thing you ask yourself now in reporting that they didn't ask themselves as much then like well if the police say this happened you should maybe interview some other people just in case but when i read the reporting now it's like I uh, the quote said like Atlanta police for instance estimate they have handled more than 50 such robberies in the last four months which you know might have been true and that that is the correct research at the time but it's also you know now especially actually since this came out this episode aired the week of the Rodney King thing it's one of those things where I'm like well the police may say something but eh, maybe they weren't telling the truth about why a robbery happened. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there's lots of baggage with this article. A lot of it is also wrapped up in the war on drugs, where some parts of the article are like, drug money is paying for these shoes, and what are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was the 1990s. That was even, you know, the the Democrats were talking about these things, you know? Like, it wasn't, it was a bipartisan issue to have this kind of, like, things that don't really, uh, that seem very tropey in uh, today's society to say the very least about these stories of inner city youths and everything but that that's the the joke that is why they're called the assassins so it's a, a very <laughs> very dark joke in the show this would have been right around the time of the reebok pump too which was mm-hmm. the uh speaking of like power walking and stuff another um, touchstone of the time was you know th- these kids with their torn jeans and they've got to inflate their sneakers like <laughs> what are we doing here and that those were even probably more expensive than the uh, 125 dollar price tag on the assassins i you know i never wanted jordans as a kid but i did like those pump-up sneakers like they had a gimmick to them not that uh, you know I, I i had an upper middle class upbringing my i probably <laughs> i'm not saying like my mom couldn't afford them but there was a limit of how much my mom would spend on shoes for me even if like technically they were affordable for us but uh, so I could convince her to get me. I believe it was the BK Knights own version of the pump up. I think I had but, those. Yeah, but and the LA Gear regulators version. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know price. maybe that was it. The mm. LA Gear sounds right to me, but but yeah but of course those don't look cool to your friends because mm-hmm. we were all very as bart is later in this episode we were very brand conscious and we knew which was the uh, the b tier brand to the a tier reebok 
pumps uh, instead. They did their research, though, because in 1990, when this was written, the Air Jordan, the fifth model of that shoe, the Air Jordan 5s were out, and they did cost in 1990 $125. Wow, man, yeah. that's exact. That's pretty good. And, and, and that, I just looked that up. It says it claims that that's $262,021. Oh, man. I I think I think shoes are still about, uh, I bought a $90 pair of shoes recently. Yeah, but. I just bought running shoes that were less expensive than the Assassins. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, though also two, three of my favorite pro wrestlers, I have been following their, you know, travel log videos. And about six months ago, they just turned into videos of them buying new Air Jordans every town they go to. And I, I'm like, well, I guess I've learned much more about Jordans than I used to know about those shoes. And out of all the Simpsons shoes they've made, they never made the Assassins, which I, th- I think it's because they're a parody of shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard. The concept is hard to, like, explain to people uh, it's like see what i'm wearing is a parody <laughs> of air jordans that's why it's funny yeah instead of just yeah. wearing like your uh your Alberto shoes or your moe's bar shoes or your mr plow shoes which have a more understandable concept i think the the idea of wearing a parody of expensive <laughs> shoes is weird mm-hmm. and hard to yeah, sell it's sort of like the car homer designed yes yeah. yeah i you know i think i recall when we interviewed last year the designers of the vans lines of shoes one of them said they wanted to do assassins but it just couldn't really be done that it's like mm. their nike style shoes and vans doesn't make nike style shoes you'd have to work with nike or maybe adidas to yeah. make something like that but a custom vanity plate would have been pretty tricky too uh, yeah and <laughs> also until i was like maybe in my mid-30s i thought well yeah shoes are 40 dollars I will buy a pair of Chuck Taylors every two months. It's part of my shoe subscription. But now, <laughs> now that I'm older and my body is, uh, you know, let's say falling apart, uh, shoes are like at least $100. Like I have to buy a $100 pair of shoes or else I will be in pain. <laughs> no, I had to break through that mentality too. Same with the mentality of um, a haircut is $20. That's what a haircut is. It should never, a haircut shouldn't be more than that or it's wrong. I, or I'm, I'm being uh, robbed, which no, I, I, I much prefer my $100 haircut. I've been getting, uh, but that but that is with a, a generous tip to uh, the the very friendly person cutting hair in the pandemic. Henry and I share a stylist. That's yes, true. That's Bob. what we're spending your money on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these fancy boys and their fancy Berkeley haircuts. Yeah, wow. This is uh, this is quite a window into your opulent lifestyle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, Homer learns all about the assassins from Ned. He also calls him Mister Universe, which it would be season late season three uh production wise that we would learn that ned actually is mr universe in body (laughs) yes when he would take off his shirt to be stanley all that power Uh, walking really does the trick i'm not seeing those results yet yet from my power walking (laughs) we cut to hibbert checking on lisa I can. These were also where the uh, the biggest cuts were in the first airing when I watched it. Yeah, I mean, not to be too down on this episode, this is such a useless scene. Yes, there's nothing yeah. very funny. Uh, I mean, there are funnier scenes in the future of Hibbert being patronizing and Lisa being insulted, mm-hmm. but he's like, "Have a wall, we pop," and that's just the joke. That's him, it. Him listing arithmetic things he's like well you'll get back to your hypotenuses and your blah 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 i was like uh, this i can see why they're like hey we got to cut 90 seconds for the deep deep trouble well the him listing things that are in arithmetic uh, is quite boring so <laughs> in uh, my memory the scene is just lisa saying oh i don't want to miss school he's like oh you'll be back to school see soon have a lollipop and then it's just over 
But yeah, then, uh, but I do like that when Hibbert says it's the mom side, I think I do like that Marge very naturally goes like, I knew it. I knew it like that. That just feels like good mom acting there. We cut to Homer at his office. I missed it as a joke before, but uh, that Homer takes an entire box of donuts with him to his workstation instead of eating it in the break room. And we don't see them for long enough. We see his current shoes, which don't look like the shoes that are normally on Homer's character model. Yes. He's got these beaten up white sneakers with Homer Simpson all-star written on them. Those, Yeah, I forgot how ugly his one-off <laughs> shoes are for this. He yeah. normally that has quite a quick shot. I wasn't sure if it was meant to be like that he had tried to make his own plate like mm. ned flanders had or like if that was just something that has been we've seen before yeah the joke is lost normally homer has like the cloven hoof a uh, work foot work <laughs> boot on or whatever yes. he wears we we love homer's hooves uh normally but yeah and then uh but yes homer gets a call from lisa yo hi lisa what's wrong the mom Ooh, the kissing disease. <laughs> My little girl is growing up. <laughs> Yuck, quit it, Dad. <laughs> so what does my little girl want? What? Let me write this down. Copies of Teen Dream, Teen Scream, and Teen Steam Magazine? Well, okay, you're the sickie. Goodbye, Lisa. Hey, Lenny, I need to leave early. Cover for me, will you? Hey, sure thing, Homer. And Prime Lenny, a scene where Lenny is named and does something, you know, John Vitti says he doesn't want to take all the credit for creating Lenny and Carl because he wrote them just as names on a script page. But clearly here he's like, you know what? I got to have another scene where Lenny specifically hangs out with Homer. I, I like this half-lidded, affable Lenny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's just like, okay, covering for you is sitting at your workstation and eating donuts. That's all. That's classical gas Lenny. That's what he's uh, yeah. sitting there, half-lidded, snapping. <laughs> That, this is before Lenny became the um, the man of a thousand pains. Uh, but honestly, mo mostly eye pain. <laughs> you know what? That's why he's not half-lidded anymore. His lids were like torn off in, in <laughs> one of his many eye injuries. I agree with, I think I heard them say in a, in a different episode, Yardley did not like that they gave Lisa this interest in like cute boy magazines. Like she, she was, I, and I, I think part of it was that she thinks Lisa is too young and I kind of agree. I don't think an eight, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I have never uh, uh, bought magazines for an eight year old girl, but it just feels, I, eight year old I, I, girls I, are into that stuff. Sure. But Lisa, eh. I, I don't think Lisa is but i think like uh these are all adult men writing this there's no woman nearby to let them know what's going on so they're like uh, what do girls like stupid things the stupid things i see at, at news racks I gotta, let's, uh, let's write about those i've seen where homer buys some dumb shit that girls like let's do that yeah <laughs> but i mean it leads to a hilarious joke of homer rightly saying he's buying them for his daughter but the clerk thinking homer is into teen boy magazines <laughs> and thinks he's a creep i i like that bit i i i like the callback or it feels like a callback homer previously on his last day on earth teaches bart the power of the term cover for me and here he is using it to his advantage mm. with lenny i also don't like homer joking that lisa got the kissing disease as he misthinks of mumps as uh, mono i guess he believes it to be Oh, huh. It's classic Homer sure. stupidity there. 
I thought I was just not up on my mumps uh, terminology and slang. I, I think a, like almost every disease can be transmitted by kissing. Sure. <laughs> probably. Sure. Ones that aren't just bloodborne. Uh, you know, if we called COVID the kissing disease, people would love it. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd have a lot more positive uh, media. <laughs> then we get a bit of family history. You know, only recently did they even think up the name Bouvier as Marge's maiden name. And, and now they're creating an entire family quilt. Well, Lisa, here it is. The Bouvier family quilt. Wow, neat. Smells historic. Mmm. <sighs> For five generations, women in our family have each added a square to it. Now it's your turn. Oh, but I don't know how to sew. Oh, yes, you do. You just don't know it. The memory of a million drop stitches flows in your veins. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. You try it. Ow! You just need to develop a callus. You see? Now that's a sewing finger, honey. He's <laughs> rightfully disgusted. Yeah, that yeah. always, it did gross me out seeing Marge burn her finger and not react to it. That uh, also just her, I really love her very um, good movement of like just one handed turning on and opening a, uh, or, and then closing the uh, the lighter. It's uh, just a smooth action. It makes it, makes it seem like Marge smoked a ton at one point in her life. I mean, she grew up with Patty and Selma, right? Uh, she, <laughs> she learned it lighting their cigarettes for <laughs> them and probably her mom and dad's cigarettes too and by the way a reference in this is the uh, 1936 photograph the fallen soldier by robert kappa that's a real dead guy they're referencing it's uh uh, from the spanish-american war i guess Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i thought that the patches proved could have been a bigger bigger opportunity for some more funny gags but i guess if you said they only had established the bouvier family line there was no like you know what her ancestors might have looked like or where they might have been type of thing (laughs) i i'm kind of glad that there's only like six patches because as a kid it really upset me that mm-hmm. they they actually set up that this quilt is so very important and the heartbreak that marge will feel later is like it's too real i feel so i did think it was too harsh at the time <laughs> to what they do to her but but now i i agree with you bob marge is giving lisa homework on her fucking sick day yeah Let her leave rest. her alone yeah save the history's lesson for when she's healthy i guess <laughs> I guess she might just be feeling well, but is still, you know, in the window of uh, contagion. So she's just doing the responsible thing. But if Lisa's up for it, she might as well take advantage. Though Marge shouldn't trust on genetics to teach her how to sew. She should maybe just teach her sewing instead. <laughs> just uh, so six generations. That that I mean that that's how far back does that date it? I mean that that could be like the revolution. That is if one stinky old quilt. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know that Buffalo one would definitely imply at the very least the westward expansion in America. Like I. <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> and uh, I know people have been waiting for this, so I wrote down every teen magazine name. Oh, boy. Uh, and some oh, of them, man. Uh, at least one of them is filthy. Uh, and by the way, uh, mentioned on the covers in very small print, uh, names like Corey, so their first reference to Corey, which will become a subplot later with the Corey hotline. We also have, uh, not referenced again, Billy Bill and Timmy Tim. Uh, Marky <laughs> Mark uh, had his funky bunch later in 91. 
But I don't know if Marky Mark was known as Marky Mark when he was just a model. Huh, he probably was, and yeah. I can't remember, but that's <laughs> a, probably a reference to Marky Mark. But we have Teen Stars. We have Teen Spleen. We have Teen Steam. We have Teen Cream. Oh, come now. See, It's Teen and then C-R and then the, it cuts off. I see. Huh? <laughs> uh, teen Dream. I think I said Teen Scream. Uh, we have Martin Sheen's Teen Scene. Uh, we <laughs> also have good. Non-Threatening Boys <laughs> and uh, Teen Scheme. So there you have it. Uh, Non-Threatening <laughs> Boys would return as well in the series. Uh, yeah, I think also it just felt incredibly dated to me now. Like Homer walks up to a newsstand. Like that's you, you would not see that now, but, uh, yeah, I, again, the reaction of the guy, like, sure. Yeah. Sure it is. yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I took it much more innocently, like, haha, he's buying books for girls. But now as I'm dull, I'm like, oh, he thinks Homer's a pedophile. Yes. Actual pervert. Yes. 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 Homer then, as he's uh, walking away, he's in the mall. This is when he spots the uh, the assassins with the funny tagline, join the conspiracy, which made me laugh. Uh, but yes, Homer, Homer is con- convinces himself what to do. Sometimes you gotta spoil yourself. Spoil yourself. Spoil yourself. But I can't afford to... Simpson, I order you to buy those shoes! Okay, Blainer, you're divorced. <laughs> this one's mine. Keep on trucking? What does that mean? I didn't know then, and I don't know now. Here's your stupid homework. Ooh, funny. Functions, vocabulary, remedial reading. Oh, do your own homework, Bart. No! Here's your magazines. How many of these guys are named Corey? Eight. Thanks, Dad. Whoa! Assassins! Yep. <laughs> Read them and weep. Those are very elaborate sneakers. They better be for 125 big ones. No! Oh! $125! Bart! Ah, Homer! No! Oh! I thought we agreed to consult each other before any major purchases. Well, you bought all those smoke alarms and we haven't had a single fire. <laughs> Uh, that's a great I I mean Homer should have uh, you know but Homer's an impulsive guy but especially for how little we know he makes $125 actually like makes or breaks the family in some that's like early episode three days of income for Homer yes and uh, I have keep on trucking information oh truck boy. in by the way not trucking I messed up there so uh, they wanted to use the famous R. Crumb drawing. Uh, it's not of Mr. Natural. It's of another guy with a long, droopy nose. He's stepping towards the camera. Yes. Keep on trucking. There's a couple guys behind him. If you've never seen that comic, but you watched all of The Simpsons, Homer walks like that <laughs> yeah. when he's a Safarian. Yeah. <laughs> as, as the, in his Rastafarian hat. Uh, he's way past cool. Uh, so what it means is uh, it was based on a line from the 1936 Blind Boy Fuller song, Truckin' My Blues Away. The lyrics include the phrase "keep on trucking." He's talking about a woman who's going to take his blues away, and uh, th- that image from that 1968 comic was ripped off so much it was on mud flaps and T-shirts and stickers. R. Crumb got no money because people were just stealing it, so he was really bitter about it. They tried to get permission to use it, and they said, or R. Crumb said no. That's why they're yeah. just a yin yang uh, symbol. I understand why Crumb would do that. Yeah, I mean he's uh, that guy's a very particular man as well, but I can see why he turned that down. A blues but. reference in an R. Crumb cartoon that's got to be rare <laughs> we have a uh, a family tradition on my dad's side which is the day after christmas is saint stephen's day not saint swithin's day uh <laughs> where you you I, I don't know whose tradition it is but it's you you have a wren 
and it's like the day of the wren in some culture. So you you go around to neighbors' houses and sort of barge into their house and sing a song about the wren, and you wear a silly hat. And um, you know, I took me until I was much older to realize that all the adults were, of course, you know, getting getting hammered and going out to do that. But there's a great picture of my dad and his brother and a local, you know, one of their friends, and they're probably in college. And one of them's were they're, they all look like ridiculous. One of them's holding a beer can and sort of swaying, and one of them's wearing the trucking t-shirt. So uh-huh. it's a, an endearing an endearing part of family lore. That's beautiful i you know my uh i actually this scene as a child for me caused the scene to happen in real life like i lisa asking marge about keep on trucking made me ask my mom no well really what does keep on trucking mean and she also couldn't really explain it she's like well it was a a picture and of course this was before the internet so she couldn't i couldn't just pull it up she couldn't just pull up a picture uh and and my uncle is a big r crumb fanatic so I think she was very familiar with uh, keep on trucking as a concept, but well, you're lucky he, they didn't set you up for something worse. That could have been uh, yeah. <laughs> extremely awkward moment if it was a secret dirty joke. Uh, oh, that, I think that happened later. Yeah, but they, <laughs> and and yeah, the how many of these guys are named Corey? It's about how Corey Haim and Corey Feldman were both big teen stars of the '80s at the same time. Which, uh, if you're you know an adult man writing these jokes, you're just like, eh, what are seventeen of them named Corey? <laughs> <laughs> these were the Bieber jokes of their day, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I also like. There's a very quick little set of TV channel jokes. Apparently, came in after the animatic, which I could see them just going like, "Boy, it's kind of boring. Can we get at least some like TV jokes in here?" So, well, we find out the babysitter bandit has escaped. Mm-hmm. So she had been arrested <laughs> at some point from the some enchanted evening to now, but now she's gotten out again. You can count all of her appearances on one hand, uh, and only one is a speaking appearance. Yes, yeah. and this is one of them. Crusty uh, versus the space mutants, and oh yeah, oh yes, yeah. Well, if we're counting video games more than three yeah. yes. she's, she's yeah. they needed a boss in all, a lot of the older games uh crusty is on joe franklin by the way and yeah, i was wondering who that was and i went to the wiki for the joe franklin entry on the simpsons wiki and all they have is bart saying joe franklin as one of the many reasons they should keep cable this is not on the wiki update your wiki joe yeah. franklin is drawn into the show it's the only show crusty will do i love that i love that that he says he'd only do the joe franklin show it's like that's such a funny thing about crusty that he would refuse used to do like Carson or Letterman and he's like no Joe yours is the only show I'll do and who is he I've not, I'm not familiar oh well he was of uh, he was a New York original who had like you know a famous interviewing people show like I believe it started on radio mm-hmm. and then became like Billy Crystal in 1983 did parodies of how like silly and, and very boring <laughs> and ugly Joe Franklin is as yes. a show so that's Billy how Crystal old parodies Yes, yeah. Hey, you know what? Speaking it's, of guys who uh, appeared in blackface. Yes. There you go. Joe Franklin is one of Billy Crystal's few non-blackface. There you go. <laughs> I, I actually, I didn't even know he did Joe Franklin until I decided to watch the SNL episode that Hulk Hogan was on recently. And he's like, oh, he did a Joe Franklin bit. But right before that, Billy Crystal did Prince. So I was mm. like, yep, yeah, that's makes sense. Yep. And yeah. the other things that are on the TV are uh, the Duffier commercial, I believe, is from Homer's Odyssey. Yes. And the Troy McClure thing is from the cable episode. And that's Dan Castellaneta doing Troy McClure. Mm-hmm. It's it's the same walking down the stairs animation. But this time it's Dan saying, like, I need as an actor. I need my eyeballs to look their whitest. <laughs> uh, but uh, apparently 
Apparently that's the only time anybody other than Hartman voiced Troy McClure. I can see how back then they're just like, eh, Troy McClure, it's not like we're bringing him back like 800 more times. <laughs> just just have Dan do it. Who cares? Uh, and they play yeah, the Barney's Bowl. Uh, Frank Welker should have uh, been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Harbinger uh, of his doom. Uh, and they play the Barney's Bolarama theme. You don't see anything, but you hear that in the background too. Yeah. And uh, and Homer actually was responsible. He put his shoes up in the uh, where it'd be hard for a dog to reach. He barely you know? hid that cookie. Yeah. I, I think in my head I edit this together to make it more interesting in that uh, Santa's Little Helper destroys the, the shoes and then the blanket and then the cookie. And in my head I'm like, well, he destroys everything at once, right? And there's a big reaction. It's like, no, it's spread out. Yeah, he destroys a thing, then some more stuff, a thing, then some more stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the assassins really are like the worst thing to do. Well, for Homer's well, perspective, yeah. the quilt is the worst. I, <laughs> the I priceless think quilt. Yes. Yeah, The I do really love the animation of Homer's very slow walk to like, <laughs> like all his noises too as he <laughs> walks towards it. And his scream. I love his no squee- scream with the giant wiggly wormy tongue coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Great, great animation. And and that SLH just uh, meets that with a big woo, like just a howl. He's like, oh, we're howling here. Let's do it. It's, it's funny that he doesn't know he's in trouble. He just happily looks over at Homer as he's destroying the shoe. Yes. It's like, oh, hey, yeah. it's you. Uh, he wouldn't be in those guilty dog videos that go viral. with <laughs> Well, also that follows up into the next scene because uh, after the break, like Homer is putting like a giant heavy chain on him and Santa's little helper is still just licking his face, just like happy. He doesn't (laughs) know he's in trouble or anything. And it's another really long act one. It's like 11 minutes. Yes. So Tracy Ullman, I guess she was there as uh, Mrs. Winfield, but uh, Emily Winthrop is uh, not here yet. They make you wait. Yes. So at the start of this scene, this is when Marge starts suggesting uh, obedience school. And this is when it starts the thing that probably should have been set up a little earlier but bart projects himself onto the dog Mm -hmm. when he says school yeah that's your answer for everything he does smartly tie up that bart seeing the rejection of his dog by his parents subconsciously or the you know uh, the theme here is that bart thinks like oh you reject the dog this you're rejecting me as well you also don't think i'm good enough and i'm a bad bad kid and you'd sell me to a farm if you could too like that's the emotional investment bart has in it which i i like that i I do like that it it makes this all but but when they call the episode bart's dog gets an f it also is them acknowledging this is just the plot of Mm -hmm. bart gets an f now of bart being frustrated and then in the end he cries (laughs) and it causes the thing to be fixed and then yeah like bart he gets one more chance too exactly yes it was pretty bold to be self-referential so early on i guess they uh they knew they were had a lot more opportunities though now that i know uh vd as uh so self-critical i think i think he named it to be like yeah i know i'm ripping off the plot we already did this season (laughs) but putting a dog in there then they have a series of obedient school jokes they're okay i do like the drawings of them like monroe beating the guy or the dog the dog wearing the straight jacket is a funny drawing to me <laughs> I, I it was my joke up front but i love we taught a dog to drive that's such a great <laughs> that is a great line yes so yes we then cut to the school they choose run by emily winthrop which uh, this is 
Tracy's big character here, basically a Margaret Thatcher parody. Yes. Much. yes uh, yeah. in, in her, how she looks, and I believe how she talks, a parody of Margaret Thatcher, I believe still prime minister when this was written. Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, what is little known about this character is that she is also based on the British dog training personality, Barbara Woodhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was made famous by her 1980 television series, Training Dogs the Woodhouse Way. She died in 1988 and never saw the Simpsons lampoon her. <laughs> Wow. Now, I wondered, like, how much of this documentary will I need to watch? Because there's a documentary on YouTube about her in two parts. No one's watched it because nobody cares about her anymore. <laughs> and let's just say her dog training methods are outdated. <laughs> and uh, so I looked up the clip and I was like, so I looked at the documentary. I just went to a random part in it. Like, okay, show me what you're making fun of with this woman. The, the clip I immediately went to was her demonstrating the choke chain. And I was like, wow. I know she meant well. She came from a different time, but I hope she's in hell. <laughs> That's like her Gallagher water uh, smashing bit. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, we do have a clip of this, by the way. You see, first of all, Mrs. Butters, this dog has got a cruel choke chain on, put on upside down. So I'm going to take it off because in all cases of nervous, hysterical and dogs that, uh, that are really making a nuisance of themselves, we usually give them one good old jerk on a kind choke chain, show who is boss. So I'm taking this off. I'm putting my own on and making certain that it pulls upwards when she's on its left hand side as usual in all training and if the next time she makes a noise of any sort but whether she does or she doesn't i shall just give her a a jerk which shows now you go to sleep put your head down and go to sleep that's a good girl so, ah! so there you have it. Uh, ah, spot on. When I started the clip, I was like, oh, she's taking the choke chain off. Thank God. No, she took it off and put it on the correct way, the kind choke <laughs> yes, chain. Yeah. And I mean, yes, I'm sure this quote unquote works, but I don't think choking your dog to shut it up is, yes. is a lesson that it needs to learn. And, you know, positive reinforcement with animals always works better. And I was talking to my wife and she was telling me that um, apparently the dog whisperer was a big fan of choke chains. It was very oh. controversial. Wow, I didn't so know So first that. you choke the dog, and then you whisper into yeah. its ear. I thought he just whispered. Damn. No, he's actually the dog choker. Man, <laughs> I feel like she must have told herself, like, you're hearing how she convinces herself for others when she says, like, oh, you see, this choke chain, quite cruel. This is the kinder choke chain. It's just a little, you know, like, meh. Like, just like a... It's almost a Simpsons gag being like, quite cruel, quite cruel, take it off, flip it at 180 <laughs> degrees and put it back on. Yeah. And of course, you hold it on the left side and it just lets him know who's boss. And it's like, but when she said like, here, go to sleep now, that's what it says. Like, oh, I'm sure it does say that yeah, to the I'm dog. I'm sure your dog is thinking that. Like, oh, sleepy time. I'm happy now. <laughs> this, this jerk around my neck that closed off my breathing. Like, uh, it's time to go to sleep. I mean, you know, this lady was born in the 1910s and in the, in the future, in a negative way, we are disconnected from where our food comes from like we never see how animals are slaughtered or or, or killed or like milked or whatever she probably grew up on a farm and just saw chickens heads rolling by every day oh sure so people had different relationships with animals in the past than they do today he's got another cat like yeah hide the corpse before the baby sees it i had an i did have an uncle like that uh who him and his family lived like up in the hills in california just like well you know hey if you see the cat in the morning pretty good if not well then you figure the coyotes got him and yeah you got it you're you're one cat lighter that's uh, that's all there is to it <laughs> but yeah that is uh barbara woodhouse died in 88 again i hope she's in hell 
Yes, I much like Emily Winthrop. I I think too Winthrop definitely has that feel of the old. I mean, she has a whole speech about like the old ways of it, like that. That very much is that real life woman. When you uh, when I saw that clip ahead of time and you showed me it, Bob, I was like, holy shit! They really. I mean, this is obviously yeah, very much drawn to be Margaret Thatcher. But this started. It seems to me like John Vitti wrote about that lady in the script, and then in the at the design point or maybe when Ullman did it she's like well I got a Thatcher parody mm. that works pre- pretty well for playing like evil old conservative lady <laughs> you know uh, but yes here let's hear from uh, old Emily Winthrop what lovely handwriting have a toffee such a neat job have at them well done Ooh. now if I could borrow Satan's little helper Santa's little helper ladies and gentlemen most of you already know that with a little love and confession, any puppy will grow up to be a cuddly little bundle of joy. Stop that nonsense taught by charlatans and learned by bloody twits. Let me tell you the two most important words you will ever hear in your life. Choke chain. You raise a dog the same way you would raise a child, with simple authoritative commands. Lay down! Followed by immediate correction. We tell if we're doing this maneuver effectively. The dog's eyes will cross and his tongue will protrude and change color ever so slightly. Is my dog dead, ma'am? <laughs> you don't know how often I've asked that. Choke chain is a misnomer. Trust me, they are always breathing. <laughs> they are always breathing. They're always. I one that whole line from Martin that was cut from the original airing. Uh, I didn't see it, but I do love her just like laughter of like, you don't know how often I've asked that. Like, oh, that's <laughs> so funny you mentioned that. And and also, I mean, the darkness of her line of saying, you know, uh, the same way you would raise a child. It's like, <laughs> holy Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, I like how casually Bart asks her if she's dead. You know, that's just a very funny line read. Yeah, it's my dog dead, ma'am. Yeah. Also funny to see that Barfly Sam is there with his dog rarely seen outside mm-hmm. of Moe's but he's he's one of the people there and uh, Jacques is there although he's not in future scenes I think he dropped out yeah I, I think the animators definitely had a thing of like let's just draw Jacques in here and like then nobody none of the writers want to keep bringing Jacques back but like we're drawing him in here a very uh, early take on the Martin voice too it seems like that hadn't uh, that struck me as being a, a rough draft oh well, well actually speaking of cheapness this oh, was yeah. one of those times like you know what Pamela Hayden can just do Martin we don't need to get Rusey Taylor in for a while yeah. to do the voice. If yeah. Martin has one line, it's usually Pamela Hayden. Mm-hmm. Ah. But uh, see, Frank Welker wasn't looking at the writing on the wall. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, the uh, the choke chain firmly established here. I couldn't believe it as a kid. I thought it was a joke. I didn't realize it was just no. It's a real thing. Also, like I'd see, I saw a million shows, sitcoms about like sending the dog to obedience school. Like that was it was like such a sitcom cliche. I never knew anybody who took their dog to obedience school. I know mm. it happens and all that, but never I I never knew anybody who did it. But uh, yes, then another first for this episode, though not named, it is the debut of Search for the Sun. Jack, I think the baby might be yours. Oh, I'm sure it is, Dollface. But I'd like to see you prove it. You treat me like garbage. (laughs) That's because that's the way you love it, baby. (laughs) Gee, is it always this good? I don't know. I just step in and out. I'm only watching today because Brandy is coming out of her coma and she knows the phony prince's body is hidden in the boathouse. Oh, wait, oh, wait, that dog! Bad 
dog. Don't worry, Snowball. Blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. <laughs> Mom, what will we do if Santa's little helper doesn't learn anything in obedience school? I don't know. Father McGrath, I thought you were dead. I was. <laughs> yeah, I, I posted that uh, image of Father McGrath after I saw Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> that's all I put on Twitter. I thought you were dead. I was. Oh, God. That's... Somehow Father McGrath has returned. It's so, <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite just line deliveries. Like, I was. Like, not only that she says, I thought you were dead. I was. Like, it's yeah. so quick to it. And, and the funny look on this guy's face of like that he seemingly did just dig himself out of the ground. And just and he's so excited to say it. He's like, I was like, I like. It's just, it's a great, I yeah, it's it. a great drawing. It's a great line reading. It all works. Yeah, it's, I never watched soaps, but except for one period, like my sophomore year of college, where you know we were just around a lot during the day, and there was one on called Passions. Oh yeah, it sort of. It sort of leaned into some of the things. There was like a ventriloquist dummy that became a real boy. Oh yes, like some characters you would occasionally go to hell, literally, but <laughs> you know, played played still pretty straight. So we we got into that for a while. But the, the glacial pace and the when I would watch them at my grandmother's house, like when we had to stay over there and stuff, it would just be the the diff, how how different they were from real TV. Always made me so just like nervous because it was different. You know, it was like the the lighting was different, the the music in the background, the pacing. It was all just like eh, well, I'm not supposed to be watching this. <laughs> you know, in this scene and in the next time we'll see it when Mrs. Glick is watching it in uh, Three Men in a Comic Book, a, a key component to original search, the first jokes about search for the sun were they were hypersexual like both scenes have like you know I, it feels like the joke is that in daytime tv they would get away with showing <laughs> sexier scenes than you could even show in prime time i believe on the commentary reardon says the animators uh, snuck in some nudity that they had to cut out yes, and they send yeah. it overseas so <laughs> I, when they go back to the scene with a uh, father whatever coming in it's kind of like an abrupt cut i guess you could see part of her breasts or something like that <laughs> originally uh, that never aired of course he's got such a good face expression <laughs> i like the weird weird and jokes of like well we kept it for ourselves we, uh, we <laughs> obviously now i let my freak freak flag fly about professional wrestling but when meeting new people and you kind of i've been in marge's position of going like you know, I only sort of watch pro wrestling. You know, I just, I only know. And then you start listing like, oh, you watch every single day and you know everything about pro wrestling. Or when you're talking to somebody and you're excited that they're a fan like you, but they get something wrong and you just have to stuff it down in your soul and just yeah. grit your teeth. Like, oh, I love The Simpsons. You know, it got really bad when Conan O'Brien left. Mm -hmm. He wrote like most of the show. I think he created Homer. <laughs> you just have to go like, mm -hmm. uh, we're at this nice party. I'm not going to, you're, or you're my friend's boss or or whatever <laughs> yes uh i uh and yeah this just acceptance like yes yeah, Santa's little helper is awful like it's then there's a long montage that's eh, too cutesy poo as as burns would say mm -hmm. it's just like bart's trying to teach him to do stuff and he's not while the dogs the only thing i really love about it uh and also the music is too cutesy poo too it, but the only thing i really like about it is the realistic dog actions on on slh of him chewing on his foot the way he's like positioned <laughs> to chew 
you on his foot. I do like that drawing. Otherwise, it's just kind of like lame. Like, yeah, Sam's little helper isn't learning. The, uh, and also in the original airing, the entire scene of Bart cleaning up his dog's urine and talking about like we, like a hose. Yeah, uh, that was weird. That was cut, not in original airing. <laughs> like, uh, which it is weird. It's like, I think too, he just shouldn't be peeing inside at all. Mm-hmm. But apparently he also just unfurled, like he <laughs> had an incredibly powerful, like horse-like uh, movement of his urine. <laughs> Uh, but uh yes they've also got a clip of that along with the uh, search for the sun uh, <laughs> the animators saved it they sent back 45 seconds of a dog pissing <laughs> uh, we can't they, use this they did it for free we, it's not part of the budget uh so then homer goes to the back to the shoe store this is again feels like a scene the animators just stuck in of the guy like kicking another dude in the face as he tested his shoe it's a yeah it's a weird joke it's a kickboxing shoe he's like in the kickboxing department so i guess that's the joke yeah but it looks like a painful kick (laughs) i do like that and and as a kid i did not get the play on words of acts of dog but it's cute it's cute it's a long wind up to that joke (laughs) yes though i though you know what i think now homer sends those back to amazon amazon just goes like yeah whatever we got a box back we don't care and you just get your money back i've i have heard from people that (laughs) Were you to have, say, a, a Nintendo Switch that doesn't work very well right now, you, one could buy a new Nintendo Switch from Amazon and then return <laughs> it in the box and uh, just get it back, and you've got yourself a brand new Nintendo Switch. The FBI is scrambling into their vans right now. <laughs> this is the mail fraud case they were waiting for. Look, I'm just hearing these things. I'm just hearing that it could be done. Obviously, you shouldn't, and that's uh, a scam of some sort. But Is it still mail fraud if it's a UPS package? or? Mm. Uh, wonder well now crime oh but it's like honestly amazon doesn't miss those things they just throw them in a dumpster somewhere they write them off yeah yeah but uh but yes homer homer goes from uh sadness to uh to acceptance of of his lost money on shoes in this next scene uh i changed my mind i decided i don't want these shoes (laughs) hey wait a minute what happened here well my faithful dog was bringing me my shoes and they fell apart in his mouth. I'm sorry, sir. Our warranty doesn't cover fire theft or acts of dog. <gasps> Big cookie. Aloha. <laughs> Aloha. Would you like a free sample? The price is right. Hmm. Ooh. Macamacania nuts. If you'd like to buy some, they're only a dollar each. Oh, so that's your little plan. Get us addicted, then jack up the price. Well, you win. <laughs> Property of Homer J. Simpson hands up. You know, even for the time, a dollar for one of those giant cookies is a good deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Really? That's... Homer should have paid that much for it. I, also, he seemed to eat the equivalent of one cookie off of her tray. So <laughs> he's really—it wasn't even like a joke where it turned out to be not that giant. It was, you know, it was too big to fit in the cookie jar. <laughs> did we all have the big cookie stores at our malls? I did. And then I, I, I thought the one that I had was, uh, you know, worldwide, like not worldwide, but nationwide chain. But no, it was limited to like the Ohio region. It was called the Original Cookie. Oh, oh, and <laughs> I bold claim. Yes. You know, I never, I never got one. I knew. 
new i can't remember the name of it but yeah definitely in our food court i remember it was like there's the taco bell and the chinese food place and then in between it is a place that sells a giant cookie that like show off like you can get a big cookie that has like happy birthday on it but every time i'd see those i just think like if i was at an office and i got that instead of a cake i'd be pissed it's like <laughs> just give me if you're gonna buy a big uh calorie rich cookie or sweet for my birthday just go with a cake like what are we doing with this like cookie bullshit they passed them off to us as cookie pizzas and then you would t- you would top them with m&ms uh, and marshmallows and coke and stuff so they, that was something that i appreciated as a as a wee one well, yeah, I, it feels like the era of the cookie cake and the cookie pizza has come and gone i think yeah. it's because malls are dead well sure sure well so now sharing a cookie pizza like it's uh it, that's verboten first you first you won't pet a cat now you won't share your cookie pizza <laughs> where do you think COVID comes from uh, you never know bob things that start with c yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i I oh, know we're on a podcast. Somebody named Connor. <laughs> we have to log off. Uh, the long con. I also love Homer's defeatedness. Like he's, he seems to be charging up for like a Dennis Leary style rant about like, this is how they screw you, man. <laughs> but it says, it's like, well, you win. I'll just do it. Like, he's like, you get, you got me. Like, it just did that. He gives up. I, I like on the commentary too. VD is critical of like, huh, we're having him say macadamia, macadamia nuts. He, he seemed to think that was too stupid. He even writes macadamia on his note. And yeah, keep in mind, uh, <laughs> it's a hard word to spell. Sure. It is. And, uh, yeah, actually I misspelled it. And, uh, my doc is letting me know that. So I'm as dumb as Homer. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So Homer paid $1 for this cookie compared to the priceless quilt. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I I know that's meant to be what uh, is the joke that Homer gets more upset about that than the quilt. But I still I feel so bad about that quilt. It's so sad. But uh, first we get a Friday the 13th reference of uh, this time when we view it through SLH's eyes. Uh, it's like you hear a version of a, a riff on the Friday the 13th theme of on the commentary. They seem to think it's Predator, but it's not. Yeah, no way. It's not Predator. I mean, Predator had first-person vision, too, but this is very much the Friday the 13th is what they're going for. Maybe in their script they wrote Predator, and then Al Clausen is like, oh, this is Friday the 13th, and he did a riff on that. People know what the Friday the 13th theme is. People don't know so much the Predator theme song, you know. And like you said, it was before the internet. Like, the guys I work with, when they did Mystery Science Theater, they'd just, like, they'd say, like, oh, this is how this was. There was no way to look it up, so they put in something that was just outright wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I miss those days of just like I, I think I remember the, all the words to the scene from Monty Python and then you later find out like oh, I said it wrong that's it's not how the knights who say knee talk uh, but yeah Homer I also think um this shows the degradation of Homer over time. Season two Homer is like, I bought this big cookie and I'll take it home to eat it later. No way season four Homer doesn't eat it instantly and then yeah, buy three right. more. He's not going to yeah. savor it. Yeah, it's, it's gone yeah. before he gets to the parking lot. Yeah. It's a walking around cookie. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but meanwhile, Lisa sews her first patch. They say it on the commentary, but I think it's true. It's weird that she immortalizes a music teacher she hates uh, in her thing. It's also weird because it's these two season one losers nobody cares about. I think the most dialogue Largo gets in 10 years is, ew, a bug. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, but yes, uh, Lisa gets her piece of the quilt got done. Marge and Lisa leave the quilt alone for literally 20 seconds. Like they walk to get Homer and... And when they come back with Homer, they find that the quilt is gone. Come on, Homer. I want you to see what your sick little girl did. 
Honey, honey, come on. Come on, don't get upset. It's not the end of the world. We all love that quilt. But you can't get too attached to... No! My cookie! This is not happening. This is not happening! Everybody in the kitchen, we're having a family meeting. We never had a family meeting before. We never had a problem with a family member we can give away before. Homer, what are you saying? I'm saying that it's better it's better than the discussion. I like that the stakes of the end of Act 2 are said in gibberish. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. that it's, it's clear you know what's happening, but also it's unclear. I was just thinking of a future joke when they say, we've never had a family member we can give away before. Cut to Grandpa in the home. Yeah. Picking up his phone and yeah. saying, hello. That's true. That's a better version of this joke. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Marge is acting on the destroyed quilt. Very good by Julie. Like she actually seems uh, correctly destroyed realistically distraught for losing all of that also right before that there's an et reference as well mm-hmm. all the other references in this <laughs> thing it goes straight from a friday 13th to the e3 reference it's such it's such a critic uh, the critic thing because it's et it's uh it's also uh, the creation of adam yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah and just uh the sound marge and lisa make mm-hmm. when touching fingers yeah, yeah it's very weird uh, it's the et noise is weird moaning also lisa developed that callus in like uh three days tops like so pretty pretty impressive march should be impressed at her her skill uh and i mean later we'll see the patch she makes of the dog destroying it lisa is very skilled at, at quilt work for sure it'll uh, come up multiple times throughout the next 30 years oh yeah so many times Lisa sews so all the time Homer also I love as he's saying this is not happening like he is eating crumbs of the cookie that the dog (laughs) dropped meaning not only are these just cookie crumbs but they literally fell out of a dog's mouth after he ate it Uh, (laughs) which I I guess that that cookie if it's full of macadamia nuts then I guess there's no chocolate in there but uh, one would assume there'd be chocolate chips somewhere in that cookie and I looked it up later slh eats a toffee apparently like uh, a one vet on google says well it's not going to kill your dog but you might want to be sure about that like sometimes <laughs> toffee has other stuff that so slh is a very uh you know they should just waited for like he was going to eat chocolate at some point and die anyway just count <laughs> just wait a couple more days yeah, that seems like something that's like our dog ate a whole bowl of like Christmas M&Ms at some point in time. So it's like either that's not the right kind of chocolate. There's no actual chocolate <laughs> in an M&M or it's just overblown. Uh, you know how much damage a piece of chocolate can do to an 80 pound dog. And it's wow. probably more of the latter. <laughs> yeah, the M&M chocolate is such a poor quality. Yeah. It's like, go yeah. ahead. Dogs love them. <laughs> hey, don't say that. We uh, that's a joke said in parody. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but, but yes, the kids, the kids are shocked at this. I mean, as a little kid, definitely the thought my my dad would joke about like i want to get rid of your cats i hate your cats but i knew he didn't mean it it secretly my dad liked the cats and was very when the cats finally passed away he was as broken up as anybody about him mm. but he would joke in homer style of we're getting rid of them like they're not they're just a, a cat just dump them but i think of what's lost in this episode uh today that we're not really 
seeing uh, is that a lot of it's just like, here's what a realistic bad dog is like, because dogs on TV were just cutesy things that would come in and like cover their eyes like, oh no, <laughs> or like, you know, spin around or do something stupid. Yeah. Uh, this is just like very realistically portrayed bad dog behavior, which in 30 years you've seen it. But mm. at this time, it was like, wow, the, like, oh, a dog sniffing a dog's butt. They, they do that. Mm. I've seen that. Wow. Like, it's true. Yeah. It's, uh, but now it's just like, yeah, who cares? I don't, I, <laughs> I've seen it before. We put this up into an entire uh, ripoff animation show about a family dog. That would be <laughs> yeah. That's quite true. concept. Man, I bet that was starting to premiere around this time, oh. actually, the family dog show. <laughs> I think about it. And uh, yeah, then uh, so they decide they're going to get rid of him. But uh, Bart and Lisa are against it. The kids are on one side. Uh, Marge and Homer on the other. I totally agree. Marge understandably sides with Homer. Like she's like, look, it's not just a quilt. He's awful. He's terrible. He's not even housebroken, which that's pretty bad for a dog. But I mean, as we know, Santa's little helper, like he's a racetrack dog. Like he probably yeah. he wasn't trained to be a house dog. Uh, he probably had a, well later episodes will reveal he had a lot of bad upbringing. And also the Kate Blanchett voiced a, a, a person who trained him or whatever. <laughs> wow. Yes, that was. Uh, a Christmas special from this three years ago hmm. of, uh, of Santa's Little Helper. But yes, in this case, Marge sides with Homer. Homer taunts the kids that Marge actually is on his side for once. But this is when Lisa does what she often does in season two, which is give a speech that moves the family. He's a nice dog, but he chews up everything. He doesn't obey. He's not even housebroken. And we've spent all this money on an obedience school, and I don't see any improvement. All right, all right. His Santa's Little Helper studies real hard and passes his finals and becomes a perfect dog. Can we keep him then? No. Dad, <laughs> this is our pet. We can question his integrity and disposition, but we can't question his heart. Are you trying to teach us that the way to solve a problem with something you love is to throw it away? <laughs> oh, Lisa, if they're ever going to pull the plug on me. I want you in my corner, honey. Oh, all right. If he passes obedience school, we can keep him. Yay, right. He just coughs up the uh, the buffalo. <laughs> no, Largo's head. Largo's head. Yes, it was the buffalo yeah. that was in his mouth when they discovered him. Yeah. The uh, I like uh, after this. Like I, I don't. I normally don't follow the plot of this episode too closely because I know what's going to happen. So I don't think about like what's happening in each moment. And I think it's funny and really cynical. The parents are being dishonest to Bart and Lisa. Like, all right, he gets one more chance. They immediately make arrangements to give him away. I love. <laughs> yes, I love the Marge saying like, "Can't we do it after that happens?" Like, no, no, no. We got to do it now. Like, I. I mean that. Hey, that's planning for the future. Homer's right. Yeah, that's hedging, man. He, he, there's no way he's possibly going to do that. So give him away to you know the equivalent of Mr. Blackheart. Yeah, and also Homer. I uh, speaking of him planning ahead. When he hears Lisa's speech, he's like, "Someday I'll be on my deathbed, and she's that I need Lisa to have my back and not pull the plug." <laughs> uh, I I also again I think it's very realistic. Bart's like b bargaining with the parents. Like I did that as a kid too. Of like, okay, well wait, if you do this then like all your tactics to try to bargain with a parent over something like that that feels very real too i like that lisa she's so empathetic that even though the slh did the worst stuff to her she's just like i just can't hate him he's too stupid like he's a big <laughs> dumb idiot he doesn't know what he did was bad i can't hate him for it uh so we go back to the training santa's little helper is put in the cujo classification which uh goes by so fast i never noticed until this watch of it there's like totos and benjis and he's in the cujo class Rin -tin -tin. Uh, yes yeah then this is when winthrop 
Krupp offers Bart a toffee for doing the rollover, which then Bart doesn't even get to eat it. Sam's little helper just eats it, which uh, that made me look up the toffee, uh, you know, also a danger of eating toffee for dogs or any hard candy. It could chip their teeth, you know, mm. their little doggy teeth. Yeah, not, yeah. I like Homer. Yes. When they put the ad, they also say, and this is a pre online world where they have to pay money to put an ad in the newspaper. Uh, I like Homer. He's just saying like, no, we have to commit ourselves. Like it's, it's also very realistic. <laughs> yeah. It's another yeah, literal money. <laughs> it's another literal scene where it's like, well, does Homer just, you know, ad lib the ad? No, he and Marge sit down and write it. You write that scene, John yep, Beatty. Yep. <laughs> and uh, then as, as more training fails are happening for Bart, uh, he's seeing that things are getting worse in uh, for old SLH. Now, sit. I said sit. Um, take a walk. Sniff that other dog's butt. See? He does exactly what I tell him. Oh, no. We'd never give him away. But we're moving to another country where dogs are forbidden. Hear what? Oh, sure. Come here, boy. Put that prowler down. Come here. Come on, boy. Say it, boy. Say I love you for the nice man. I love you. Good dog. Good doggy. Isn't that amazing? See you soon. Woohoo! I love Homer acting out a dog saying I love you. I you know love who that. else liked it? Frank Zappa. <laughs> it's real. It's a real uh, name drop by Graining yeah. on there. Yeah. Uh, Matt Graining said he became friends with Frank Zappa around this time this episode uh, aired, and that was his favorite joke. Yeah. Homer wow. saying I love you in a dog's voice. <laughs> I like that the guy on the other end of the phone was, you know, that was a, a part of the selling for him. Is that mm. that was he was very, you know, concerned that that was an actual detail that was true. <laughs> I guess it's the farmer who shows up in the next scene then yeah. who was convinced by it. I but I mean, later, uh, maybe season five, uh, Santa's little helper will say, "We love you." It's oh, yeah. true, yeah. So uh, Santa's little helper finally learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, includes the cat in the in that sentiment. I also like that Bart. Uh, it's a good strategy on Bart of pretending the bad behavior is an order he's giving to the dog. I like that too. It's it's cute. But in the next scene, he can't stay away from that beef Wellington, a very classic like britishy food thing which is just like I, I it's hard to think of a more british food of just like a very rare red piece of meat then wrapped in uh in bread and then fried up you know <laughs> with one mushroom on top for garnish which at first i thought it didn't i was like oh that doesn't look like a beef wellington because i was thinking of it in loaf form me too yeah but if you cut it in, into portions that does look like a portion of a beef wellington which I've never made. It seems very, I think I've eaten one once and it is, it is uh, a very heavy meal. Yeah, it doesn't come up too often these days. It seems like we've moved on and <laughs> discovered better ways to prepare everything. Uh, well, now, you know, the uh, also like beef, beef, not so great for you or for the environment. So I, uh, I've, I leave, I live a pretty beefless life and a beef Wellington is a beef full life instead. <laughs> I, it's a great pan across all of the dogs excitedly like staying back, even though they're like, like drooling for it and then it pans across and then it's just bart holding him back with all of his strength and he just can't stop him as sam's little helper overpowers him and just eats it yeah i'm looking at beef wellington now and the proposition is what if there was a loaf of french bread that was just full of red meat yes. you cut into it instead of bread it was just meat <laughs> why have like a roll with a steak when you could have a steak inside of a roll 
was before they had invented turduckins where you stuffed other meats in other meats. It was <laughs> yeah. just, what can you stuff bread? There we go. Like, uh, <laughs> we'll take it from here. I can, I can just imagine a, you know, British bulldog type man with his brandy in one hand, a cigar yeah. in the other, and a beef wellington just sitting right in front Dying of him. Dying at age 36 yes. <laughs> of heart disease. <laughs> That's wow, how they talk. Look at it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sure. That's a uh, that's a dish. <laughs> the dog not doing so great. And uh, we also get to see a farmer is going to put him to work, which for viewers lets you know things are going to be real bad for Santa's little helper wherever he goes, especially the way he says patient people know better. Like, that's creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's <laughs> he's going to torture this dog until he starts doing, uh, you know, uh, mule chores. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They, they did the not invent worked farm animal. <laughs> they did not invent uh, Cletus yet. So this is yeah. sort of like the predecessor to Cletus. Huh. It's a creepier guy, too. Like, Cletus yep. is more of a fun cartoon. This guy, like, he's he's too realistic. His jaw's not slack. Uh, <laughs> and, I mean, they got away with him just, like, grabbing Santa's little helper's balls and the dog, like, yelping at it. Like, that's very... <laughs> also, maybe, I don't know, get SLH fixed. Maybe that's also why he's acting out, you know? Yeah. And it's a responsible thing to do. Yeah. yeah, there was no humping in this episode. I was kind of let down. Yeah, they saved that for season six with 2001 yeah. Greyhounds. Out of uh, all of the daytime TV, they were not watching the prices right. Otherwise, Bob Barker would have told them. Ah, uh, see, that's their mistake. If they had watched it, they'd know. Also, there's some very helpful ADR at the end of the uh, the farmer scene because Homer says you can pick him up tomorrow, which he's completely off screen. I think they, I think they originally thought showing Bart distressed about it lets Bart like it lets you know Bart's worried that it's it's definitely over but having homer say pick him up tomorrow lets you know like this is the end like this is the it's much more of a ticking clock i'd say uh and that leads bart to make one final plea to emily winthrop you know what i kind of agree with bart it's like you get paid either way who cares like just Mm -hmm. what he owes this is a farce yeah yeah this is not a police dog training where like a life (laughs) might be at stake or something but unfortunately bart went to uh too good or too uh rigid of a dog obedience school since you get paid either way, would it be a big deal to just let my dog pass? I see. Rubber stamp, thank you very much. Next in line. Is that it? Yeah. Heavens to Murgatroyd. But perhaps I cling to the old ways like a well-chewed shoe, as the traditions I was weaned on are put to sleep or neutered one by one. But my time has not passed yet. The world does not need another college graduate who doesn't know how to sit. He'll sit. He'll sit. Come on, boy. Sit. Sit. Blah, blah. Blah, blah. Pull the chain. Huh? Correct the dog. I don't want to strangle my dog. Pull the bloody chain, boy! sorry boy can't help being dumb that's just so sweet to, i don't know that gives me a little bit of goosebumps just bart hugging his dog and saying like you can't help you're dumb i'm sorry you're just a big dumb idiot i wish there was more of the bart seeing himself in the dog thing because yeah. that was kind of what he was going through and bart gets an f where he's like i'm stupid okay yeah. i don't know what i'm doing just give up yeah. like, all right i can't help it there needs to be more of that because i didn't really put that together until you guys pointed it out so <laughs> it wasn't as <laughs> uh, because, yeah like they you know they they did that 
that journey during like, you know, when he got banned from Thanksgiving and stuff. So they, they do have that, that sort of bond as yeah. the dumb outcasts. But uh, yeah, I didn't. No, didn't, well, well, didn't th- click for me last night, Connor. Thank you for saying that because I didn't. Uh, you're right. Th- this is a sequel to Thanksgiving. Like mm. the Thanksgiving episode is Bart and him both being thrown out of the house and mm. going on an adventure together. This is kind of continuing that idea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also I like hearing the Margaret Thatcher parody say the Snagglepuss line. Heavens to Murgatroyd. Uh, Snagglepuss stole that line. <laughs> Did you know that? No, I I, I should have figured him <laughs> yes. being a Hanna Barbera character it's, he could uh, be original <laughs> it, that was the catchphrase by uh bert lars character the 1944 musical meet the people i see so there you have it does it make sense in the context of that musical uh i think it was just like his heavens to betsy kind of uh ex- exclamation and bert lar the cowardly lion as i believe which uh, snagglepuss is also just a wait a minute of, yes i'm just connecting these right <laughs> yeah, now yeah. <laughs> i thought snagglepuss was the original character yeah. well no wonder he's gay <laughs> No, he's the one who makes the most sense to make gay. Yeah. Uh, though, honestly, other than Augie Doggy and Doggy Daddy, who are a, you know, uh, created from a heterosexual coupling, I'd say all of the original Hanna-Barbera characters are gay. Mm. Uh, definitely Yogi and Boo Boo are gay, for sure. They sleep in the same bed, mm. in the same cave. They're bears, for God's sake. They're bears, yes. Yep. <laughs> and we all know the tagline for the uh, live-action Yogi Bear film. Good things come in bears, mm-hmm. as we know. And <laughs> Wow. Yes. Uh, and the images of, of course, Yogi behind Boo Boo. Yep. That's what they knew what they were doing. I, I Somebody knew for sure. Yes. Uh, also, just Bart's desperation of like, I don't want to strangle my dog. And you just like, yeah, I feel awful doing this. They're, they're coming down hard on the choke chain in this episode. And I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it killed. It killed choke chain sales from then on in, <laughs> in America. We then cut to Lisa. Well, she is, honestly, I read her in this little clip here as insulting Marge, personally. (laughs) What are you doing, dear? Sewing a new quilt. You know, it's one thing to be a link in a chain, it's another to start one of your own. This patch commemorates the destruction of the old quilt. Wow, you certainly captured the moment. See, I think that the way Lisa says, like, you know, it's one thing to be a link in a chain. Like, she's insulting Marge for caring about the quilt at all. Like, And uh, her first patch is commemorating this moment that is traumatic to Marge. Yeah. yeah. If you hadn't got the mumps, honey, I wouldn't have even lost this sixth generation quilt. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's your fault. Back on the sarcasm. Yeah. You know what? I trusted you with the quilt and you left it on your bed for a dog to destroy. So, like, that if uh, in, a, in a meaner sitcom, that's what Marge would have said to lisa i think i took it as just too mean of lisa one insulting the very idea of tradition to the person who shared their tradition with you in a heartwarming way and then the marge's just reaction of like you certainly captured the moment this chain does not include you mom yes yeah yeah also invite marge to like hey you know what how about you sew a new one here and how about yeah. you call up patty and selma they'll sew one and you get your no, mom maybe yet. yeah exactly it's a little mean but i I think intentionally it's done of like oh this fixes the quilt problem lisa started a new quilt no one's sad about the quilt anymore it's fixed it's all good uh and so then bart is trying futile with futility to save santa's little helper i also love lisa just showing up to be like no leave this dumb animal alone like you're just torturing him in his last hours of freedom uh give him a break and but even lisa's like okay let's have fun get it 
And as his little helper does literally no. nothing. Yeah. I do love the frisbee bouncing off his dead eyes. That's yeah, great. That, yeah. That was the shot I remembered from this. Like, you know, that was the one that stuck with me. All the rest of it is just very normal. Like, there's not a joke to it. Bart no. and him just like frolic in a realistic way. It's, a boy it's does. too wholesome. Yes. Yeah. For Bart. Yeah. Much too wholesome. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Bart not caring that a frisbee bounces off his dog's eyeballs. That's the funniest one in there for sure. And then the dog doesn't care either. So it's not like it's not like he's hurt and bart doesn't care it's the the dog doesn't give a shit either does the dog seem dumber in this episode to you guys i guess he has to be for the plot to work but i never thought of him as being like one dog that a frisbee would bounce off his eyes and he'd just sit there smiling no I, he's yeah. he's smarter honestly he's too smart i suppose in the laddie episode uh he's he's dumb enough to just stand still uh he's he's written close to as stupid as this in it i think but uh, that's uh, that's the only other time I can think of him being a really like uh, written as a le- just dead eyed idiot dog. <laughs> Bart has a final m- night of fun with his dog and then comes an ending that pretty much is exactly the same as Bart gets an F mm-hmm. right down to Bart's tears. I'm going to miss you, boy. I thought we were going to be pals forever, but we're going to have to say goodbye. Because you don't understand a single word I say. If you just knew how important it was to learn blah blah, sit. Wait a minute, you did it. Blah 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 blah. Lay down. Shake hands. Stay. Speak. Alright, good boy. Roll over. You son of a bitch. God show. That thing with Homer is so weird. Yeah, and yeah. I've heard the commentary for this a lot because I was I was watching these and listening to them before they were a podcast. And uh, Al Jean points out this thing with Homer is a a parody of a scene in the movie The Oscar from 1966, in which I'm not going to give you the entire plot of the movie, <laughs> but the main character is named Frank. He's a big asshole, and he's up for an Oscar alongside Frank Sinatra. The end of the movie is him not winning the Oscar. Mm-hmm. The presenter says, and the winner is Frank. The lead character stands up, is ready to, to accept the Oscar, and then the presenter says Sinatra. And then the guy just like weakly claps and the movie ends. Wow. That is a parody of that scene, which apparently these people knew. Yeah. I have never seen a reference to this movie. I have never heard anyone mention the movie The Oscar in my life. Never, never, ever. That is yeah. why Homer's going. seems like a huge dumbass to stand up before she was finished speaking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real, real plot hole. But that's why Homer is like weirdly just grumbling and then eventually becomes happy. The becoming but, but happy part. The guy parts, doesn't get happy. No, no. I looked up the scene too. The guy doesn't get happy. Yeah. It's yeah. probably another one they sort of misremembered or something uh, like, not like you're walking into every blockbuster to rent the 10 copies of the oscar they had <laughs> this uh i i actually watched the oscar or not the full thing i, I was gonna say in it. yeah it's two hours long but it was one of those movies it's like oh where is it streaming anywhere and it's streaming on one of those very helpful websites of like if you have a library card you can watch it mm. and so i pulled it up there uh and the weirdest thing is they like filmed a movie at the 1965 oscars and 
cut in scenes of the guy for a 1966 film and it's very strange but the rest of it is like it's it's remembered as a terrible film apparently but uh, and but hey it's got a jill st john strips to her underwear in it so as it's not uh it, it, in in the same movie with bob hope in it which made me think of the joke in the simpsons of oh, jill right. st john and bob hope and milton burles in this movie yep. yeah, yeah yeah okay no i mean it's a hollywood it's hollywood sending up itself it's right up there with the start of austin powers 3 with all the movie stars <laughs> hanging out with austin powers it's it's reminiscent to that but yeah i'd literally never heard of it before even even he tosses it off so quickly in the commentary i never bothered to look up the oscar before same here and and plus guess what searching for the oscar film that's <laughs> not easy to do google doesn't like that they're like that's true you mean the film that won the oscar in 1966 <laughs> like uh and then we roll from uh parody of the oscar to animal house yes yeah which i love that vd on the commentary dumps on it for being like hacky to do an animal house parody in 1991 <laughs> i like that he jokes well, it's probably the equivalent of doing an austin powers parody in like you know 2001 so yes he, he says like oh it was a jokes of like you know in 91 it was only a decade old it was it was still fresh yeah <laughs> yeah uh it reminded me the whole the 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 dog speaking thing reminded me of the uh, far side cartoon where the dog is you know all it hears is blah 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 ginger for what dogs <laughs> hear so i, I like which the, one of those came first i do like that bit yeah i i like that uh, you know at the very least all this dog vision stuff pays off that the gibberish turns into a word he can hear yeah. that's uh, that's a fun mo or that is a a good plot wise moment and the 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 animal house parody feels like it came in later oh, or yeah. uh it's all like uh freeze frames and like the freeze frame of sandals of helper is of him in the backyard earlier yeah so <laughs> yeah but well, poor poor martin's dog ate a is in a coma he ate a poisonous toad that's uh yeah Lao Tzu the dog his his picture is him looking at the beef wellington too so they didn't draw a new one for him either which yeah poor martin and martin's parents are there i noticed it's the correct parents also in the shot of everybody in the class the twin women who were on that double date with burns and smithers <laughs> right at, uh, like they also have a dog there that like that's weird like i never <laughs> thought i never thought those characters made another appearance but uh, they did i was wondering who they were yeah i, I mean they're unnamed but i was like oh now i remember them as the double date ladies which but one were they from from homer's night out homer's night out yeah. yes yeah uh, at the at the nightclub where uh, of i could love a million girls and everyone in the audience smithers and burns oh. are on a double date with those ladies they look like they're from the simply irresistible video uh, yes yes you're totally right <laughs> and i yeah. think one of the people in the crowd that we're in we're identifying everyone now but one of the people <laughs> in the crowd is of one of like the wine moms who gets marge drunk in um no yes. disgrace like home yeah you're right it's the one marge is talking to about like uh you know yeah drunkenly talking to over the picture you're right yeah totally yeah. she's one of the freakiest looking ladies there i'm shocked she got a second appearance <laughs> uh but she ate that same poisonous toad <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fun. Side effects. and they got away with saying son of a bitch on tv because i i would bet in a very bart way they're like technically uh, calling a dog a son of a bitch is correct as a third grader i would have appreciated that mm -hmm. and that that's that's where they were writing at a lot of the time where they're like we got to pass the censor things of like this will entertain the third grader that we got away <laughs> with it but and also i like the animation of the 
transition cut of Bart saying roll over in the backyard and as he's rolling the backyard becomes the graduation and uh, and Winthrop being uh, like having to admit she was wrong and that the dog was teachable Mm -hmm. so a happy ending and all with a tearful moment I mean you know a boy and his dog kind of stories it's easy to get emotion out of people with that I still emotionally respond to it on some level but yeah it's such an average story of just like the family might lose their dog there's the best stuff in here are just like the little sketches of like watching search from the sun or whatever search mm-hmm, from the sun mm-hmm. those little moments are are the best ones in this yeah i'll repeat yeah, what looking i back, that seems to be my favorite the uh the priest coming back is pretty damn <laughs> yeah. funny yeah <laughs> i forget it's from it's from this episode and like i said i've said it before i'll say it again dog of death is better i think it's more imaginative it's not a repeat of bark it's an f it's like the dog gets sick they help the dog but then they're resentful towards the dog because it costs them so much money and the dog runs away and there's a clockwork orange parody mr burns is involved it's so many so many better ideas this is a little too stock for the simpsons i think what Mm -hmm. we're seeing here stock a little too slow a little too yeah a little too normy Mm -hmm. but i mean also i think it mistakenly i i didn't say this before about how they had tracy ullman but it seems mistakenly built around a big guest star in her and making her character central to the episode but it doesn't have the punch like when i saw it even then i was like tracy ullman's finally on the simpsons i was just like uh who's this like i (laughs) i mean even though i watched tracy ullman with my mom i still didn't take it as what a big moment that tracy ullman finally is on the simpsons here even if i was disappointed to this right when it was over at age eight bart instantly comes in all over the credits to be like stay tuned do a deep deep troubles coming up right next watch it <laughs> and so once that aired it erased my memories of this episode anyway boy i gotta say uh henry we gotta correct all these wikis now because the simpsons wiki has very fraudulent information on it they say they claim the lawsuit was resolved and then allman voices character as a show of goodwill the timeline is all, That's wrong. all wrong no i i've laid out the time people i've given you all the information you need you can look at the la Times story from <laughs> april 19th 1991 of when it was filed making it a month after six weeks after this episode aired and then you can pull up the variety story from October 24th, 1992, when it was resolved. This appearance was before she did the lawsuit. People, I... Time for an edit war, baby. (laughs) I'm not doing this on the wiki, but other people need to. One final thing about Winthrop, she'd appear two more times, non-speaking, of course. She'll be in old money. She's one of the people in line for Uh, Abe Simpson's money. And also, at the end of uh, When Flanders Failed, uh, she comes to the store at the end. She is left-handed. So after season two, she's done. (laughs) They're like, get her out here Almond uh, is not coming back i mean yeah once the lawsuit is over like i could see i could see uh perhaps james l brooks or richard sakai saying like no more of this you don't say tracy Ullman's name here though then again if they still had bad blood with her then they'd have been mad at julie kavner for like being on her tv show in hbo but then what are you gonna do you're not gonna fire julie kavner Mm-mm. no yeah so Connor, thank you so much again for being on the show. Even though this is a lackluster episode, you brought a lot of levity to the uh, podcast. So please let thank us know you. what's going on with Rift Tracks. We're recording this way in advance. Unfortunately, uh, it'll go live after the most recent uh, live show in October. So what's going on with Rift Tracks? Yeah, we'll have just done our our, our Halloween show, which is about an evil lamp. It's an Amityville movie, but that'll probably be out before the end of the year on our site. And we have some cool stuff coming by the end of the year. We've got we're doing a a uh, uh, feature length club med infomercial starring Jim Carrey. Oh, that's going to be a very fun one. Wow, uh, like a, like an early '80s Jim Carrey. Uh, we're doing a movie called Dangerous Men, which is absolutely batshit. Uh, that is a uh, 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's another movie where the guy was the writer, producer, director, music, just like movies like The Room and, and Neil Breen and stuff like that. Oh, so if, boy. You, if, you, if you like the vision of an auteur yes. being fully realized, it's uh, that's going to be a really good one. We've got our friend subscription, so you can watch just a ton of stuff that we have on our site for, I think, like five or six bucks a month. It's the best deal on streaming. And, and uh, um, Oh, sorry. I was going to say, yeah. right now, you guys are putting a lot of stuff on YouTube for free, like whole movies. So if you're new to Rift Tracks, it's a way, great way to get into it. There's shorts and full movies on your YouTube channel, too. Yeah, those are usually some of our like you know um, older and more popular stuff. So you can watch setting up a room or Ooh. talking cats or some of our live shows uh. are all up there. Those are those are all pretty fun. And yeah, I guess I guess that works out. Uh, YouTube <laughs> YouTube channels like uh, so that's pretty new. So it's uh, yeah, go and, and like it, and so that we keep doing more of that. Yeah, and then uh, check out our uh, me and me and Mike from Rift Tracks do a podcast called 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back. And we just started reading a new book, which is called Irene Ittleslay, which is from like 1897. And it's one of the guys like Mark Twain and C.S. Lewis thought was the worst book they had ever written. So we're, we're going to read it and see how like their quaint version of what a bad book could be like matches up with some of the other stuff awesome. we've done on oh, the podcast. Oh, wow. Man, that's <laughs> awesome, man. I that's the With the holiday season coming up, I always remember Rift Tracks has some great deals at the holidays as well. So I, Absolutely. Great deals. And like the Christmas content out there is so, uh, you know, the, the bottomless well of crap so uh that's my favorite time of the year yeah yeah we, we do have some awesome stuff you know like wizzo the clown on our site um old christmas shows we've done and uh for the life of me, I can't remember if we have a feature length title this year, but I, I'm positive we do. Mm. At least some shorts lined up. So yeah, check it out. It's always fun. And I appreciate you guys uh, you know, plugging it and coming to see the shows and stuff. Oh yeah, we can't wait. Hopefully, you know, in the new year, maybe you'll come to our town again. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I got to look into that too. Maybe we'll be in San Francisco for Sketchfest. You know, hopefully, uh, if not this year, the one after that. Uh, but thank you so much, Connor. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. So thanks again to Connor for being on the show. Please check out Rift Tracks, of course. We love it. And also his podcast with Mike Nelson, 372 pages will never get back. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get all these episodes one week ahead of time and ad-free, please head on over to patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Sign up there for five bucks. You get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall. That includes over 100 of our mini-series episodes that you haven't heard if you're not on the Patreon. We've covered things like uh, The Critic, Mission Hill, King of the Hill, and Futurama. And right now, we are covering our 10 favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series, with our newest mini-series, Blabbing About Batman, the animated series, only on the Patreon. You can only get it if you sign up for the $5 level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And there is a $10 level as well. When you sign up for that, you get all the $5 stuff, but also access to one mega long podcast once a month, only for patrons of that level or higher. And what is that, Henry? Bob is talking about the What a Cartoon movie podcast. We have a sister podcast called What a Cartoon, where twice a month we cover an animated series super in depth, just like we do with The Simpsons. And at the end of each month, we cover an animated feature film, crazy in depth, often over four hours long, even five hours long. Last month, to tie in with our current miniseries, we did Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, the very, very good and also somewhat controversial at the time, Batman Beyond film. We super get into the interesting history with that. And at the end of this month, to tie into the holiday season about to begin, we're covering the Rankin-Bass 1964 classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, a childhood favorite for uh, uh, people our age and slightly and older but so check all that out a giant back catalog that's over three years old of what a cartoon movies i'd say 200 hours just about now of what a cartoon movies at your fingertips and a new one each month and all the five dollar things bob just mentioned mm -hmm. if you go to that ten dollar level when you visit 
patreon.com slash talking simpsons as for me i've been one of your hosts bob Mackey. you can find me on twitter under bob servo and my other podcast by the way is retronauts it's a classic gaming podcast all about old video games find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month henry how about you you can follow me on twitter at h-e-n-e-r-e-y-g please follow me there for all your updates <laughs> for all your updates in my world plus you should follow the official twitter account of this podcast at talk simpsons pod whenever there's new things up on the patreon whenever there's stuff on the free feed if there's a sale on our t-shirt store which hey check that out at t public you hear about that first if you follow at talk simpsons pod on twitter so do that today thank you so much for joining us folks we'll see you next time for season 12 simpsons safari and we'll see you then Go home, boy. Go home. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah.